friends it's episode 21 uh we are officially legal here at the gaming memories podcast you could bang me and i would not be able to press charges for you for being underage so that is an open invitation not i don't know if that's a correct way to uh, open a podcast intro because some of you might be like what you're old you're married and you're hairy why would i want to bang you you wouldn't let's be real you wouldn't and you shouldn't but technically speaking that's all i'm saying episode 21 we are of legal age and uh episode i believe it was 1918 with gaja of action g a great producer i cannot tell you how many people have messaged me oh my god oh my god your intro was so funny you had me rolling i'm like thanks becky but the problem was, is I was blasted drunk for that intro. So, because I got such a great response for it, I am willing to sacrifice my body and my health for you, my congregation. So this night, tonight, as we speak, I have had four White Claws. Yeah, there ain't no law when you drink the claw, bitch. Uh, everyone gives me shit for drinking a White Claw. I don't care. You know why? It's tasty. It gets me drunk. Makes me happy. And I am willing to do that for you, for your ear holes, for your pleasure of your auditory your nerves, your cochlea with the little hairs resonating with the frequencies, sending electrical impulses to your brain, translating into language, which is the scaffolding of your perception, and bringing to you the one true video game podcast because i am duly anointed by the gods themselves miyamoto the father kojima the son and Carmack the holy ghost appeared to me in prophetic holy vision telling me to create the one true video game podcast by interviewing creative and interesting people about their favorite gaming memories growing up and on this episode of the podcast uh when it comes to interesting at least to me we have one of the most interesting guests i've had in a long time dane Ritisabel. I probably butchered that. It's a Colombian last name. He is half brown, but he's the whitest half brown bro I've ever seen in my entire life. A professional fighter. I looked him up online. Professional record of six and two. A bunch of jujitsu wins under his belt. And he owns a martial arts gym, jujitsu, an MMA gym in Provo City, Utah called Agima. Jiu-Jitsu. Dane is a uh, man. I don't even know how to say it. He's an all-around badass. I, uh, in preparation for this intro, I was like, well, I knew he fought. I knew he was considered one of the best jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu black belts. By the way, jiu-jitsu is a fucking hard word to say for gringos. I, my tongue stumbles at that, just stumbles over that word all the time. And people say, if you say jits. There's a slang for those who don't know Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Some people say jits. And some jiu-jitsu dudes get super butthurt if you say jits. Well, I'm sorry, man. That shit is easier to say for me. I don't I didn't grow up speaking Portuguese or Japanese fluently, natively, whatever. Jiu-jitsu. The, my freaking little kids can't even say it. Dad, are you gonna go to Jacho Jitsu? Dude, that shit is hard to say. Anyway. Jiu-Jitsu, Jits, BJJ, whatever you want to call it. Dane is the shit. He owns a gym. He's been in a bunch of fights. I looked up some of his fights online. Homeboy is a savage. I kind of knew he was a savage, but he's super nice and chill like a lot of the dudes that get into martial arts. Of course they're chill. 
They've been to wars. They've been to legitimate war. They get choked out and knocked out all the time. Why wouldn't they be chill? The other aggression has been let out. Homeboy is chill as shit. And then I go online and I watch a bunch of videos and I'm like, oh, shit. Remind me to never piss that dude off. Anyway, he's really good at what he does. Jokes aside, he's really good at what he does. He's a great coach. He's a fantastic person. And on top of that, he's way into video games, specifically survival horror games. So if you're into like Resident Evil type shit, uh, we talk a lot about Resident Evil. He's always been attracted to what I picked up from the interview, the darkness, the dark side. Because let's be real, the dark side has always been cooler. Like... I like the hero's journey. Luke finally destroys and beats Darth Vader. That's cool and all. It's a it's a prolific sort of motif that has been played over and over and over again in all sorts of literature, film, TV, music, video games, etc. But, but, the dark side is always cooler. Vader is cooler than Luke. His suit is cooler. His helmet's badass. His voice is badass. His lightscape, his lightsaber is cooler. The dark side powers are cooler. The dark side is always cooler. And Dane has been attracted to the dark side since he was a wee little lad, listening to hard music. He played darker survival horror type video games, movies. We talked about all those things. You'll find a pattern. He sounds super chill, but there's a darkness brewing inside him, which is clear why he went and beat the shit out of dudes inside of a cage because homeboy has some if he was in kingdom hearts he'd be like what the fuck's that guy's name xeno heart god there's like a dude that plot by the way kingdom hearts can suck all the d's i never have ever 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 felt so betrayed than the kingdom hearts 3 i bought that collector's edition day of and i just was really i was really let down i was super 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 let down where was i oh dane he's got the darkness inside he'd he'd be a heartless but he's not heartless i don't know what i'm saying he's not a heartless guy at all but he definitely has some darkness in his soul because when you see him fight people and i'll put links to all the description of this shit when you see him beat the shit out of people in the cage you're like oh damn Yeah, uh, there's something going on there. But anyway, he's really nice to me. He's nice to all his students. He's a great coach. He's a badass. He's into video games. The interview was amazing. Remember, spread the good news of the Gaming Memories Gospel. Like, share, comment, tell your friends, tell your family. The gods will bless you. I say these things in the name of Miyamoto the Father, Kojima the Son, and Carmack the Holy Ghost. Enjoy the show and amen, folks. man dude i have been trying to get you to come to a podcast for like two months you're a busy man man. with a business and all that stuff i know i've been wanting to do it so bad man i i really wanted to do it just man it's so hard to find time you know it's hard to get a second especially because you're i I still can't believe you're traveling from (laughs) salt lake every day for those of you who don't know you're driving like an hour 45 minutes an hour yeah an hour yeah that's about an hour perfectly you know tonight i drove in rush hour so it was like two hours but yeah normally it's just an hour i drive in the morning and i guess that's not there's probably a lot of people who commute an hour that's pretty normal yeah yeah especially in the west i think i think that's (laughs) not too terrible but i don't like it it's not it's not convenient for sure you know and you go you've but you're not doing the morning classes 
Um, I do one day a week in the morning. So you got super early one day a week. Yeah, I'm not a morning person, man. I am absolutely not a morning person. I don't roll well in the morning. Why you agreed to do a podcast at 10.42 p.m.? Exactly, man. This is This is my time. This is when I'm waking up. (laughs) That's when I feel the best. I'm a night owl. (laughs) Nice. All right, so for those of you who don't know, this is – I'm not even going to attend. How do you say your last name? Aristizabal. Aristizabal. Yeah. You can just call me Dane. That works, man. Yeah, it's Dane. (laughs) Last name from where? Colombia. That's a Colombian? A Columbia, You're half man. brown or part brown? Half brown, man. You're half brown? Half brown, yeah. Dang. <laughs> That's what, uh, so what side of your family is brown? My dad. Your yeah, dad. My dad's from Colombia, so. Dang. Yeah. I had. I wouldn't have guessed. Looks like the white jeans won out for the, the most part. The white jeans won out for sure, <laughs> man. Funny thing is I have a cousin who looks like very similar to me and my grandpa, but he's like all Colombian, you know, he's very, very dark. My grandpa would call us milk and coffee, so. <laughs> Yeah, milk. I guess white on the outside, brown on the inside. I'm the I'm the white cousin, the gringo cousin. I would have never guessed. I that's how racist I am. I assumed because you're white and your last name was crazy, it would be like some Czech or Slavic or such a racist. Oh no, is that such a common? A is that a com- that doesn't sound Spanish? Yeah, I mean it's it's originally Basque, so from the Basque region of Spain. And then, you know, I, I don't know when, but at some point my family immigrated to Colombia, South America, and it's somewhat of a common name in Colombia. Hmm. You know, the funny thing is I always, you know, I always spend a long time spelling out my name for everybody here. And I was in the airport coming home in Bogota one time, and the lady at the kiosk was asking me, um, she was like, okay, what's your name? And I said, Dane Aristizabo. And she said, okay, spell it. And so I started spelling A-R-I. She's like, no, 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 your first name. And she had already written out you know, my last name perfectly. She knew how to spell it right away. So, oh, you were taking surprise, surprise. Yeah, so it's kind of a common name over there, somewhat, you know, somewhat common, known name. But, yeah, so definitely Dane, not common Colombian here. last name. <laughs> the uh, I met you because you're really good at jiu-jitsu and you own a jiu-jitsu school in Provo, Aguima. Um, but, yeah, just introduce people. To what you do, I don't know. I know you've had some fighting, and I know you've just your background, your experience, all that. Yeah, uh, so I've been training jujitsu. Oh man, I don't even know. Sixteen years now, something like that. Um, since I was a kid, too long, but I love it. I fought professionally. Um, I've competed in jujitsu for years. Uh, finally, it was time for me to open up my own gym. So we just opened up a gym over the summer. Agima Jiu-Jitsu, MMA, we're in the mall in Provo, Provo Town Center Mall. Tell people what Agima is, because when I found out, I thought it was, I I thought that was a Japanese, this is how terrible yeah. I am with words, I thought that was some Japanese name, and you told me it was not. man, no, it's Greek, it's Greek actually, but um, yeah, so funny story about that, I was trying to pick a name, and you know, I had this opportunity to open a gym, and I'd always wanted to open a gym, but I'd never really thought about what I'd call it, you know, so I was kind of scrambling to find a name and I've always loved for jujitsu. I've always loved the word attrition because I'm kind Mm. of a science nerd and attrition, like in geological terms is like, it literally means to grind or to wear down. And I think that's slowly chip away. Yeah. To slowly chip away, like in terms of like war of attrition or, 
so I just thought that was perfect for jujitsu. It's the grind. It's to wear down. It's to grind somebody. I thought that was such a cool name for a jujitsu school. So I wanted to name my school attrition. And, uh, actually my LLC is still attrition. And, you know, I was, I was super stoked about it. And then one of my friends who's a business guy is like, no, no, no. What the hell are you doing, dude? You're an idiot. Attrition, like in business terms, is like loss. People associate that with loss. Like you do oh, not. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. You do not want to be called attrition. So I was like, oh, damn, you're right, man. So, you know, I kind of, I respect this guy's opinion. So I rethought things and I went back to the drawing board and I, you know, I had to come up with a name like, today basically i i had to have it so one of my fighters you know sula she's a greek girl i've always loved spartan history and just like spartan culture i read a lot of spartan books i was kind of asking her about some stuff and she was like you should call it the agima and i was like what is that what's the agima and she's like the agima were the were the spartans infantry's special warriors they were like the special forces of the spartans so I thought that was a pretty cool name, kind of has a ring to it, you know. So that is I really cool, and I didn't even know. I mean, it makes sense when I hear it. Like, why wouldn't a military specialized was was Sparta a city or a country? It was a Greek city state. City state. So okay. it was in the kind of know, both. Yeah, Greek was Greece was set up, divided into city states that were you know all warring with each other and very feudal, but Sparta was essentially a city-state of greece so yeah and why wouldn't a military specialized city-state have special forces because you just think you know from a layman's perspective i don't know i don't know a ton about history other than spartans were the most badass greeks right that's everybody knows that yeah they were badass i think everybody knows that they're the most badass but people know the story oh they would have special teams set aside these guys do this maybe these guys are reconnaissance (sighs) these guys are infantry yeah it makes total sense yeah I mean, you always have people who stand apart in any sport or military or anything. You always have, you know, special groups that rise above the rest and are recognized as such. So, so you said they're special infantry. That mean like front, like front line guys. Yeah, I assume so. I don't know everything about it. I, I mean, I've tried to research it because it's the name of my gym, yeah. obviously. But um, you know, there's a little bit of limited information. I've tried to find out what I could, um, but. It's a little bit tough to find. Hmm. It's a sexy idea for a, <laughs> for a for a gym. So I liked the name a lot more once you told me that. I was like, yeah, oh, now cool. it's yeah. so much sexier. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, and I I kind of like names that begin with A and are, are just short and um, and easy to remember, like Atos. You know, like for those of you who don't know, one of the biggest. BJJ gyms in the world in San Diego run by Andre Galvo Atos and to be honest I've read what it means before but I don't remember you don't remember I don't remember but it's you know it's a amazing gym where that produces world champions that's what I know about them so it has a ring to it you know I have a good story about Atos tell me for for <laughs> sakes of in case people listen to I have a we have a good mutual friend that has a contract there, and they're really sticklers about their contract. Oh, really? And he had to I do some uh, shenanigans to get out of that contract, some forgery of some utility bills, and <laughs> because they will hold you to that yeah. contract. Mentioning no names, but yeah, I. That's one thing I don't do at my school, man. Everybody does the contracts. I do not do a contract, and I think so far, it has really paid off for me. 
Yeah. Um, I didn't know that was normal because Lehigh doesn't do them either. No. And so I never knew. And it's, then I started hearing. Yeah, that's like, a very normal thing. Uh, what's the big MMA gym? Wasatch, I think. Wasatch Combat names? Sports. So yeah, that's where I, I taught. For oh yeah, them. yeah, you were there. Yeah, I yeah. taught for them for a long time before I, I uh, opened my own gym. So they do contracts, and they I guess that's contracts. pretty more normal than I initially thought. Yeah, every, like most gyms do contracts, and if you want to get out of the contract, you got to pay a pretty hefty fee, and that's. That's just kind of normal, you know. That's kind of what's uh, industry standard. Um, you know, when me and my wife were setting up the gym, we kind of made a decision not to do contracts and to be very lenient with people. Um, you know, if somebody falls on financial hardship or whatever or doesn't want to train for whatever reason, I don't want to feel like they're – I don't want them to feel like they're stuck. And they're definitely not coming back if they have exactly. this bad resentment yeah. about a contract. Exactly. And that's, that's where we yeah. were. But now with this whole uh, – CV situation, the virus outbreak. I'm not concerned about it at all. My wife is losing her shit. <laughs> you know, she she likes to stress. That's like her thing, man. She finds something to stress about, and right now, that's what it is. Uh, and so uh, that's where her focus is. That's where her focus is. And she's like, "What if nobody wants to come to the gym? What if everybody cancels their membership? What if we don't have anybody?" How are we going to pay the rent? And I'm like, ah, I'm just not concerned about it at all. As far as I'm concerned, it's an opportunity to buy stocks cheap. But It will. So actually, my business partner and I have been talking about coronavirus for a while. I promise we'll talk about video games at some point. <laughs> but we've been talking about coronavirus. And uh, I actually think you might. You could. I think the economy in general could, could sag. Or Absolutely. May, yeah. Maybe will sag a lot. We're like really bad case. But that's also – it's temporary. Yeah. And I think most people will be able to ride it out. And if you're in a good spot and maybe you have some capital to throw around, could be a time to make some cash. Oh, yeah. Some good investments. Airline stocks are so down. And, you know, any travel industry stock is just plummeted. Every stock is basically taking a hit. But, yeah. Travel industry is really taking a hit. So, I mean, I thought about I have a trip to Hawaii at the end of this month. And,. I, I I can oh, relate yeah, to your wife. I have part of me can go hard with conspiracy. I I can go deep. My brain can latch on, and I have to keep that in check. Yeah. And uh, I I did swing pretty hard and got a little paranoid about coronavirus. I got some gas masks out of my storage. I see those. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm wrapped. I bought some water, and I I'm not worried about like death, but I think I do stress a little bit about my kids. Like, well, yeah. they're young. And, and like maybe a really gnarly flu could could fuck my kid up pretty bad. I think they say the coronavirus is worse for old people and it doesn't it? affect the young people as much. So really, I've also read yeah. that a lot of people are contagious with no symptoms. Yeah. Some people's immune yeah. systems are like <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's a good thing out of bad, right? It makes it makes it easily yeah spread. You know. Easy to transmit because you don't yeah. know you're sick and you go I agree. Out I agree thing. with you. I think that's most likely going to be more of an economic issue for most people. Oh, for sure. I mean, China was shut down for, what, yeah. a couple of weeks? And that's that's a huge superpower. How as much far money as, they're losing yeah. every day. Oh, yeah. How many goods are not being produced? How many people are not going to work? Like, I mean, how many American companies get products from China and they're not going to be getting them? 
you know, on scheduled delivery or whatever, you know, so <laughs> it's definitely going to have rippling effects throughout the financial market that we haven't even predicted yet. You know, here's the sexy idea with that, though. This is where some of the conspiracy theories come from. I don't know if your wife has got into this, but if the coronavirus is just from what most people are saying, uh, the flu 2.0, some uh, gnarlier flu that has better spread rate. Isn't that a bit of an overreaction for China? Why is so? So some conspiracy theorists were saying, why is China overreacting so hardcore if if it's not that big of a deal? Well, and I'm dumb enough to be like, yeah, yeah. Why? Why would they do that? I mean, the flu, the flu fucking sucks for anybody who's had it. So, I mean, if you have another flu out there, that's just double the shittiness. And the flu does kill old people all the time. You know, it kills so, a lot of people. It kills a lot of people. But so you would never like, shut down your economy over the flu, yeah. even a gnarly flu. So if you're China, why are you shutting down the economy? My thing is like, I don't know. I mean, call this conspiracy theory, but what the hell was China doing in that lab that, you know, that it got out of? Were they working on biological weapons? What the fuck were they doing? How did that happen? You know? Yeah. I mean, I've heard, I've heard similar things. I've heard uh, Bill Gates and the Illuminati are behind it, and they want to reduce the population to 50%. That oh, one's yeah, pretty funny. Absolutely. <laughs> it's one of my, I think it's the, probably one of the funniest, yes. funnest ones. Yeah. Uh, I also heard that uh, this one was pretty good, too. So I have I have some really good friends for the music industry. Um, some of them go deep in this world, and, and they'll usually start pinging me when something's crazy happening. Um, and that's where I keep up with, cons- with modern conspiracy theories and where they're at is through ho- some homies. And he – I have one homie in particular that thinks it was originally a Canadian – bioweapon. I don't even know where he gets this from, right? <laughs> but somehow by looking on the internet, this is the conclusion he came to came to that it's a Canadian bioweapon that was stolen by the Chinese because they steal stuff, right? And okay. then it gets back to China, but it backfires and releases on them, but that was actually the whole point. It was a honeypot planted by Trump in the US <laughs> to be stolen from Canada to blow up on China because Trump is like having this trade war and, and he goes, "Fuck you, China." Trump's not that smart. <laughs> I'm like, that does sound like a great movie plot. It sounds awesome. I would hope that's real. But, yeah, probably not. I mean, I'm sure if it was real and all that happened, it would be, like, posted on the internet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by user XX6969. <laughs> exactly. Um, you grew up in Utah? Yeah, grew up in Utah County. Oh, uh, you were um, south, right? South yeah, of here? Yeah, Spanish Fork and Payson. Spanish Fork, Payson. Yeah. Payson High? No, I actually was homeschooled, man. Homeschooled. You were homeschooled. homeschooled. That's why you're so yeah. smart. I don't know about that. Weird, maybe. Homeschooled but... all the way from <laughs> kindergarten? Up? No, I was homeschooled, like, so, like, middle school, junior high. I was just, I was just getting really bad grades, had a bad attitude. Um, I actually lived with my grandparents and um, and my mom. You know, me and my mom lived with my grandparents. My grandpa was a retired BYU professor, and he was kind of bored. And you know, he was a scientist. He was a biology professor, botany professor at BYU for years. And um, so, you know, I was just getting terrible grades, not getting a good education, had a bad attitude. So they pulled me out and homeschooled me. And um, 
How did that? Uh, did you did you prefer that? Did it turn things around for you? Um, I mean, I think homeschool's tough in the social sense. You don't get that social exposure, and sometimes, even though high school or junior high are like bad experiences for a lot of people, it's a needed growing experience. It's a character building. Yeah, experience. it's a character yeah. building experience. And so that's something I regret not having more of. I mean, I still did have exposure to that, but um, maybe not the full experience. Did you feel at that time you were missing out on social stuff? No, no. At the time, I didn't. Um, didn't I mean, it's it's only in retrospect that I'd say that. You know, I I did stuff. I had friends. I'd I'd go out. You know, but um, but I think like. I wasn't exposed to being in situations I didn't want to be in. Mm. If I didn't want to be at school or I didn't want to see somebody, I didn't have to be. You know, I could just I could go home and you chill were and do to my deal own with thing. the things you don't like about school. Yeah, yeah, so my my social interactions were exclusively positive and I don't think that that's necessarily a character building experience or a good thing always. You know? <laughs> it's so funny you're saying that. Like a person who fights and does jujitsu, and like, of course, that's what you would say. Other people would be like, that's the mom's listening. Your mom's probably like, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted him to have positive experience. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, He's but, over here shitting on him like, I didn't yeah. make my character good enough. But no, it's like, it's like jujitsu, though. Like, you can't always just be the mat hero, you know, tapping yeah. everybody out. Every once in a while, you got to have a bad day. You got to get your ass kicked a little bit. It's good for you, it makes you better. So well, my sense from knowing you is that you don't. If you missed out on some character building moments by by not being uncomfortable and forced into uncomfortable situations, you've certainly made up for it. And I don't really get the vibe <laughs> that you have a problem with the, de- the development that comes from exposures to those situations. Well, I appreciate that. I think jujitsu honestly was my honestly, saving grace. that out because yeah. I started training when I was you know fifteen, sixteen. I remember having my learner's permit and driving to the new gym that it op- that it opened. Um, and you know, I had my grandma in the car. She was driving with me, and um, and just kind of discovering jujitsu. And you know what a what an experience it is to discover jujitsu and and start training and it's it's a constant barrage of ego smashing and rebuilding so <laughs> i have to be i told myself i have to be careful to not turn this into a jujitsu podcast yeah absolutely <laughs> but uh what i'll echo is yeah there's um you don't i mean i'm i'm not even nowhere near as experienced but that that first day expect that first i don't know maybe six months in retrospect it feels like a psychedelic experience like i don't even know what was happening i would just kind of show up and be overwhelmed oh absolutely it's like drinking out of a fire hose like just and then your brain comes back and you're overwhelmed with information you're fried i would be like shrimping in my sleep (laughs) having jujitsu dreams like waking up with legs in triangles and like bad sleep and it just like it's very overwhelming yeah and then it kind of levels off and you start having fun but in the beginning it's but like it's overwhelming and then you have the whole day to kind of your normal work day your family day to sort of like (laughs) calm back down then you show up again you're having anxiety on the way and then the door shuts you get in and then all of a sudden snap your fingers two hours are over you don't even know what's happening you're like but you feel after it's all done and you're sitting around talking 
you feel so good. Oh yeah, for sure. It's a rewarding experience. It's very rewarding, <laughs> and you don't. You go. I don't even really know what's happening, but I feel good. So I guess I'll come tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, it's very overwhelming. Yeah, I think the addictive part is just the feeling of uh, of growth and accomplishment. You know, you learn something new. You got, yeah. You're a little bit better than you were yesterday, and that's a very addicting feeling. <gasps> I just had an epiphany. I know how to connect this. It's kind of like playing a video game. That's exactly what I was saying. Up. You read my mind, man. Yeah. What, what I think it was. Uh, what's the guy who wrote the game? The dating book, the game. Oh, Here. the pickup artist guy. Dang, yeah, the pickup so... artist. Um, Is he the pick, the same guy? Yeah, as he's the, the pickup, pickup artist. artist. Yeah, he's the pickup artist. I don't and he his wrote name. he wrote a really good book called Emergency. Also, Neil Strauss is that his name? Am I am I wrong? Here? I know him as the pickup artist. Yeah, That's so my he best. he said something that like fascinated me in one of his books. He was talking about. I think he was talking about one of those mechanical bowl machines. Like the riding bowl. The, the riding bar bowls whatever. that they have at the bar. Yeah. I thought that was only for drunk girls in like <laughs> low cut tops. But... White chicks named Becca. <laughs> exactly. With a short bob haircut. But apparently it's like somewhat competitive and he got super into it. And there's like different uh... levels you can turn the bowl up to. And he was saying, one thing he said in his book is he was like, um, it's like all things with men, like video games and martial arts, where there's clearly defined levels and that sense of accomplishment becomes very addicting. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow, that's like, that's very true, you know? That is. And I, so I know you played games. We've talked about Resident Evil. Is Did you get into games prior to martial arts for a similar thing? Did you play <sighs> RPGs where you level up and get stats? That oh, ever man, catch I don't you? even remember. I remember... <sighs> I don't know what came first, martial arts or video games, honestly, because I was a kid doing like karate and stuff before I ever found jujitsu. Oh, so you but, started really early. Yeah, I started pretty early and then, you know, kind of fell away from martial arts for a while. But I mean, I remember playing video games when they were like, you know, I remember playing Loom on the computer when I was a kid. Loom? L O O M? Yeah, I don't know if you remember that game. I it was don't. like. It was like Is that the first game you remember? One of them, man. One it has of them. To be. Yeah, it was Early Loom. Old, old game, man, on the computer. Like it was an RPG adventure game. Was it point and click? Yeah, I believe so. I think it was like you have to type commands, actually. Oh. Like, look here, do this. I, I mean, it's been so long, I don't remember that well, but... Um, I do remember it was called Loom. I remember that was one of the first video games I ever played. Um... And then I remember playing, um, like, the first iterations of Fallout. Um, mm. Wait, so first, for preference, you're quite a bit younger than me. What year were you born? 87. 87, so, so three I'm, years younger. I'm almost 33. I'm, I'm coming up on 33 in a couple days here. 33. Okay, so you, you, you the, the original Fallout on PC, I think, was... Fallout 1. Yeah, Fallout 1. I'm trying to think of the year. How old do you think you were when you got exposed to Fallout? Ten. Okay. Ten, so around 11, ten. Something. I don't know. Maybe you, a little uh, bit older. Dude, that's a. So you had a PC at home, obviously. Yeah, my my mom and dad were real like I don't know. They were techies, I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's interesting because most, almost all guests, the first memory is a console game. Oh, really? A, a PC game. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Fallout is a very 
<laughs> what's the word adult game yeah for, for a 10 sure. year old oh for sure dip man. his toes into for the first time yeah, for sure man. Dang, yeah yeah i mean even even fallout one with you know the early graphics and everything like um uh, i'd like to go back and like play those games again and just kind of see what they're like you know but did you understand the premise of the game or was that well he's just kind of playing around no i was into it i mean i i understood you know, the They'll post apocalypse. Out, the idea of nuclear war just ruining everything. No, I was into it, man. I remember being stoked. <laughs> I thought it was so cool. <laughs> this is, yeah, I, I guess at 10 years old, I did not stress about anything in the future. The, yeah. the joys of being a child. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean, I I just, uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome, man. I, I've always kind of been attracted to that post-apocalyptic thing yeah. you know, all the way to, to adulthood. Like, I love zombie movies. I love George Romero movies. And uh, you, you think that is? One of the things about this video game, I, the, this podcast idea is like trying to understand. I think there's almost a formula of what forms your taste. And because you were exposed to Fallout at 10, it's one of the early things mm-hmm. that's like it leans you that direction immediately from the get-go. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, leans you that direction. Um, yeah, kind of adventure, survival horror games. Yeah. you know. I mean, I I remember playing Mario Brothers on like Nintendo and stuff. You know, was that Nintendo after Fallout? One. Probably. Probably. Yeah, hard to remember, but it's probably shortly thereafter. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, playing all the. Nintendo One games, Contra, Fallout, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, all Punch those out. fun games. <laughs> Punch Out's a cool. Do you remember how uh, far you could get on Punch Out? Which character? Oh, man. I remember. What was his name? Mr. Soda Pop. Dude! <laughs> Soda Pop was the guy I could never beat. I never beat it. I never got to Tyson because I couldn't beat damn Soda Pop. I think, I think my, my older cousin could like play for me and get me to tyson but i don't think i could beat like i don't know who is the fat guy i think it was king after hippo. king hippo king that's hippo. right yep the fat guy man <laughs> that's what i remember him as but yeah i i don't remember how far i could get but did fallout those i mean you had a pc at home that's interesting because i think you are the first one that had pc what other games on pc do you remember early games from that sort of same time period i remember playing I loved this stupid game. It was just because I was a kid, but I remember playing early Monkey Island games. Have you ever played that game? What? Say that again? Monkey Island. Oh, The Secret of Monkey Island. The Secret of Monkey Yeah, there were, there's like, I think there's like there's a, seven or eight there's of them. There's a grundle now. of them, yeah. I actually, like, just for like some nostalgia, I actually found one that is like available from the App Store on Apple, and I downloaded it and played it. Um, and it was, it was just kind of a nostalgic thing. Yeah. You know, it's not like something I'd be super into now, but. I remember loving those games when I was a kid. I was into it, man. So, yeah, that's yeah. a classic point-and-click point um, series. I think, yeah, on the phone, they've remastered most of those. I've seen ads yeah. for a while about Monkey Island 3 remaster, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, that's cool, man. Maybe I should go back and have some uh, nostalgia gaming again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, never, uh, I never – the point-and-click genre, I never played. I didn't have a PC till I tried – like a lot of those games already when I was older and played a lot of other games and I couldn't, there's a, there's a few that I got into because I, I like sci-fi and post-apocalyptic. There's a few, there's this one, 
I can't remember. It's like a little you play a little robot in a trash world, like Wally, the point yeah. click adventure. I got into that one, and there's a there's like a claymation one back from that same era. Why can't I remember it? Monkey Island was like pixel graphics, but there was a I think Double Fine produced it. Ah, Skull. So anyway, there's a whole. This is one area of video game history that I'm not super well versed in is the point and click genre, yeah. which was a big deal during that time frame, but then it died. There's really no modern point and click games. <laughs> yeah, but just, for a while, it was the bee's knees. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it was just, I mean, technology surpassed it. So, yeah. All things move forward, but, you know, I think it's nostalgic to a few of us who have played those or whatnot. But, um, but what console did you start on, man? I started NES. My bruh. Well, I do have a few memories of the NES Mario and Zelda. I remember the Legend of Zelda be, being completely confused. Yeah. Like, why, <laughs> what? There's no, there's no level. Like, it's not just set. Like, I can go anywhere and there's no, I don't know where to go and I don't know what anything does, but I liked it. Yeah. I was just like dinking around. I never made it far, but I would just sit and dink around on Zelda. I never figured the game out. I was way too young, probably like five. But my brothers were into NES. But it wasn't until my like console for me was a Genesis. I saved up. I was old enough to Sega understand Genesis. games. And I would mow lawns, and I had a box, a shoe box that I wrapped up in paper and drew like Genesis shit on it. Yeah. <laughs> my parents told me if I saved up. My parents were pretty good about like. Helping me, but teaching me at the same time. Yeah. I think back now to this and my kids, I'm like, yeah, this is actually really smart what my parents did. They told me to save up like 80 bucks, which was at my salary, like mowing lawns and shit was a long time. It That's took a lot me of money, man, like for nine a kid. months, <laughs> um, like just shy of a year to save up this money. A kid in the nineties. That's a lot of money. <laughs> There's a lot of money and they would make up. And I don't even remember how much, I don't even know if I knew how much it actually cost. Uh-huh. I think I thought I was buying it yeah. but really what they were doing was making up the difference and they just set a goal for me to hit and I'm just put, to motivate you yeah, yeah to motivate me and i put all my money in the shoebox and uh the, the the span of time went over christmas and i had this thought like they're gonna they're gonna hook me up with christmas anyway but they sailed strong did my dad i'm sure my mom wanted to but my dad was like mr discipline <laughs> my son will not be a bitch uh, he uh probably shut that down and i didn't get it for christmas i was like oh they're serious i gotta save this cash up but they bought me a game for it sonic 2 oh, yeah. so i had I the game sitting the there and i would sit and just flip through the book i read the book like a hundred times over <laughs> just thinking about when i get my 80 bucks I'm going to finally get this game. And I did it. I ended up getting the 80 bucks, gave them the shoebox. They bought the Genesis. So for me, that and Sonic 2 is like, you know, that's a that's a religious part of history yeah. for me. It was a big <laughs> deal. It was I, a, remember, I think that maybe we're talking about how things form. I wonder if that's why I ended up getting so into video games. If I would have just had it given it to me, maybe I would have been like spoiled and like, ah, this is boring. Yeah. This is stupid. But I worked so hard worked to get that first console. Yeah. So then, from then on, it was like, I want all the games. Like, I put my blood, sweat, and tears, whatever I can get my hands on, I want that Genesis game, and I want to explore all the options. So, yeah. I remember playing the early Sonic the, Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, and then uh, Mortal Kombat, man. I was super into Mortal Kombat on Sega. Yeah, because the Genesis version had blood. Yeah, <laughs> SNES didn't those those pansies. I never had those PC pansies. <laughs> what about like 
the console that never made it, Katari. Did you ever have a Katari? Did I play the Atari? Yeah. No, I uh, I honestly wasn't really even aware of it. I had a guest on two episodes ago, uh, Brett Weiss. He's like a video game, almost historian. Have you listen to Hardcore History? Yeah. Okay, imagine Dan Carlin, but he just is into <laughs> video games. This dude is a badass at awesome, the highest man. levels. Uh, for those of you who haven't, like, yeah. check it out. And he, we spent almost the whole, I could only get like an hour of his time because he like writes books. He's just like super oh, involved wow. in the scene. But he knows a lot about pre-NES consoles. And I was aware of like the Atari, where there was like the 1700, the 2600, and yeah. the 32, maybe there's like three versions of the Atari. And that's all I really knew. But from, I think he said 72 was like the first American home console. I don't remember which, what it was called to right before the NES which was like a 12-year, there was like 29 or 30. So there was more than one a year new consoles coming out. And the Atari is like the one that a lot of people remember. I didn't – I think I saw people like in the stores playing Pitfall on the Atari. It's like a guy swings on a rope and he's in a jungle. I had a friend who had an Atari. I never, I never had one, but I'd go over to a friend's house and – I think he only had like one game for it. I don't even remember what it was. It was like a spaceship like flying through these tubes. Or I have no idea. It's been, <laughs> it's been so long. I just don't remember, yeah, you know. But That was just right before our era and uh, I didn't have any friends. That, so all that retro, I'm also very un, unwell versed. You know, In my mind, I think a lot of people you could say – it's almost like BC and AD before Jesus, after Jesus, whatever. That's the NES is kind of like what took. And he would agree. Brett pretty much agreed with me on this in the podcast. Like, yeah, the NES is when like the home console became like normal. Yeah, like a lot of people had it. Before that, it was a little more what's the word, clicky or just just not as mainstream. Huh. I don't know a ton about anyway. Wasn't I don't know a ton about pre NES. I know the Atari. uh, There's like a really uh, famous story about this uh, ET. Remember the movie ET? Uh They made this game that was really shitty, and they printed like a bajillion copies, and they didn't sell them, and they put them all in this landfill. And then like thirty years later, it was a couple years ago on YouTube. This YouTuber like threw like a. It was almost like National Treasure with. What's his face, Nicholas uh-huh. Cage? <laughs> Except he was trying to discover where this mound of like leftover uh, ET video are they games like on the Atari. Now, or are they just they found it in like Arizona people? desert? They found like forty thousand ET video games, Holy Atari <laughs> ET video games. That number, I might have blown that number up, but whatever, it was a whole pile of these Atari video games buried in some desert, and that's probably the extent of my knowledge when yeah. it comes to Atari. On that same note, I'm kind of I'm cleaning out my mom's house. You know, I inherited my mom's house after she passed away. So I'm cleaning out her house, and I find my old Sega Genesis Ooh. and all my games. And my so you had a Genesis, so too. I had a Genesis, nice. too. Nice. What did you uh, play on Genesis? Oh, man. Mortal Kombat and Sonic. Those were those are my games. I think I – I'm trying to remember. I mean, I was, I was pretty young. I think I played a game called, like, Heady or something. Heady? Heady. What kind of game was it? Oh, man. It was like, it's hard to describe. It was like a guy who could throw his head and grab things. It was just really weird. But Was it a side-scroller? I remember it being fun. Like Mario, like 2D? I think it was a side-scroller. Right. Yeah, I think it was a side-scroller. Okay. Um, 
yeah, I'm trying to remember what else I'd play. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's been so long. Well, let me drill you on maybe some ones that I think you might have played. All right. Uh, or just hopes, because uh, also with PC as your first console being very rare, Genesis is very rare, too. When I bring people really? on and I, yeah. I go through their gen, – it's usually Nintendo, Super Nintendo. That's way yeah. more common, at least so far. Um, there's this game on Genesis called Dinosaurs for Hire. You play like a T-Rex, a Triceratops, but they're the, they're like Rambo, and they have they walk like humans, and they have guns, and you blow up other dinosaurs. That I was a big one for me. I don't remember that, but you reminded me of something. Um, I'm trying to remember what the heck it's called. It's like you can pick. It's like Mortal Kombat with but with dinosaurs, like. Oh, Primal Rage? Primal Rage. Yeah. Yep, I remember playing Plant Primal Rage. Rage. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Primal Rage. Did they have that on Genesis? I think they would have. I thought it was Genesis that I played they it had on. A, I could be wrong. It was an arcade game that got ported, and I do think it was ported to Super Nintendo and Genesis. Yeah, you could also you could eat the little people. Yeah, if you had like you could get health, and then the monkey would fart like the green cloud. <laughs> I thought that was so dope. I just remember playing with my little cousin, and uh, there's like at certain certain points of the game, it would go sudden death, and it would like start raining like volcanic ash out of the yes. sky. And uh, I remember my little cousin being like, "Is there such a thing as sudden death?" And I was just playing the game, and I didn't even think about it. You know, I was, you know, I was probably four or five years older than him. And I was like, "Yeah, it's called a heart attack." And his mom got so mad at him at me because she's like, "Now he won't stop talking about how he's going to get a sudden death heart attack." And you know what's crazy? I got in trouble over that game. You might have thought of that subconsciously because I was going to bring up. Do you remember the health bar in that game? was a heart and yeah, it had like I do remember it that. had yeah. the like the vein that went out yep. and as your life got lower the heart would beat faster and, and the faster the heart would explode and then it would explode the yeah i remember that yeah. yeah i wouldn't have remembered it if you hadn't said it but he probably yeah, fucked that now. kid up because he saw that <laughs> heart explode and he was like oh yeah. shit yeah i think his mom called my mom at like you know late at night late at night for kids which is probably like 11 or something yeah and she's like will you Tell Dane to let my son know that he's not going to die, sudden death, <laughs> heart attack. <laughs> but whatever. That's pretty good. All right. So, yeah, Primal Rage. Let's see if I can jar some memories. That's a good one. Oh, I remembered another one. Bugsy. I remember Bugsy. Bugsy. The orange yeah. cat thing? Yeah, he's like a cat thing. But I remember yeah. thinking that game was super fun. I don't know. Seems like a really weird concept thinking back on it. but <laughs> I didn't play. I'm aware of Bugsy, but I actually didn't ever play that one. Did you play... That's a side scroll. Did you play Vector Man? I don't remember that. No, mm. describe it to me. That was a uh, Sega's sort of response to Donkey Kong Country a little bit as far as graphical style. So uh, Primal Rage was later. Primal Rage used the style where they made everything was claymation and they would take snapshots of the claymation okay. and then turn those into sprites. Oh, wow. And so it had this really cool look because there was real lighting from real lights just uh -huh. baked in. Donkey Kong Country did a similar thing, but they would use supercomputers to render like a simple 3D frame, and then they would feed that to the Super Nintendo, so it's just seen like a sprite. Vect when that came out, Sega didn't have a game that was uh, using that style, and it was a big deal because it made things look awesome. Yeah. Vector Man came out, and he's like a dude that's all made of balls. And he can stretch out and move, and he shoots like shit out of his hands. Yeah. It's like a robot made of balls. 
and that was a way for them to get like high fidelity because rendering a perfect spe- sphere back in the day it was a lower load and so they designed this whole character around like perfect spheres linked together they called him vector man and it had for the genesis arguably like the best graphics before it was huh. towards the end of the genesis life scan life spiral. i don't think i ever played Dang, that too bad man. Comic Zone? Did you play Comic Zone? That's a Genesis remember, exclusive. I don't remember that. That's like a dude who uh, I showed someone this on the last podcast uh, who's into pixel art and had a really good pixel animation. And it was a dude who like was a comic book artist and he gets sucked into his own comic book in the beginning. And the whole game, instead of being levels, you can go up, down, left, right, and they're comic book frames. Oh, cool. Huh. And that was, that was <laughs> a big one I thought was really cool. I did do the Mortal Kombat because it had blood, and that was cooler than this, my friends at the Super Nintendo. Uh, I did Cyber... We talked about this on the past episode. I can't remember. Cyber Assault. It's like Cyber a side-scroller. Assault. Oh, you probably played Street. Did you play Streets of Rage? No, I don't remember. No? What is Streets of Rage? That was. Uh, did it, you ever huh? play an arcade game or a Super Nintendo game called Final Fight? It's like a beat-em-up? I don't think so. Huh? No. There's a whole genre. I'm sure you've played a beat 'em up back in your day. Did you play the Simpsons arcade game? Probably. It's I... like uh, the, uh, try to think of a, any game that uh, it's like side scroller, but you can move up and down, and all you do is beat enemies up. You just punch okay. them. <laughs> so there's like the Simpsons arcade game. The X Men arcade game was a beat 'em up. Streets of uh, Did you play Double Dragon? Never. No. Dang, I'm trying to think. There's so many beat 'em ups. I'm trying to remember how what would be one that you might have played. There's a there. It's a very popular arcade game format as well. Uh, oh, Turtles! Did you play Turtles? You I had played to. Ninja Turtles. Okay, for did sure. you? Yep. <laughs> did the one in the arcade where like you the building's on fire first level? I don't remember that. I remember playing it. I think it was on Nintendo. The, the first that's one the that old school Turtles. Yeah, the Deathly Turtles. I remember I'd always get stuck like. On some water level, yes! like swimming through water. The dam, bro. <laughs> you had to swim through the dam and dodge the electrical. Yeah, the, the electrical, electrical eel or like plants. algae or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, was... exactly. And there's like a current trying to wash it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, there was an old school Jaws too on Nintendo. That oh, was... that's a good one. Yeah. I had forgot about that. There is a Jaws on the NES. Yeah, I remember playing. Oh that. yeah, that's a good one. You know, I think my earliest video game memory of was. Not me playing, but I remember when I was just little, little kid, too young to play video games. I remember my mom and dad playing Bomberman. They were Bomberman. Col- they were college kids, and they just played Bomberman like crazy, man. Do so, you remember what they were playing it on? Uh, Nintendo One, man. NES. So. Bomberman. I didn't know Bomberman. That's. I think it is originally like an old arcade game that might have been on like the Taris and shit before Nintendo. Before Nintendo, huh? I don't know. Yeah, I like I don't I think I played it some when I was older, but I don't remember it. There's super a Bomberman well. on 64. Nintendo 64 Nintendo that I played. 64, yeah. but I think they're all kind of the same. That's the one to make sure like you drop the bombs and it can, it goes in a grid up down uh-huh. left right in the yeah. fire and you kill things. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually that's a popular franchise. It's been around for a long time. Still around? Still uh-huh. around. They're still making yeah. Bombermans. I had no idea. I'm out of the loop, man. It's good shit. Do you play any games right now? I know you're playing Resident Evil 2. Yeah, yeah, I'm done with... Just finished it. You finished it? Maybe last week. What'd you think? Amazing, dude. Amazing. It was really fun. I mean, it was an awesome reimagining. And, uh, yeah, it was just super fun. It was... was, uh, I don't think I would have that much fun playing the original. 
Um, you know, just because maybe it moves a little too slow, not the best graphics, whatever. But this was a great, like, feeling of uh, kind of a good mix of nostalgia, a lot of the original elements, plus modernized. You know, modernized. Yeah. So it was really cool, man. I really enjoyed it. I made a mistake, though. I was telling you, I uh, played it on hardcore, and you know. Oh, I, you went all. I don't you went have, all out. I don't really have the time, man. I don't like like <laughs> well, I don't like watching the YouTube videos and everything. But I I had to, man. I was so stuck. I wasn't gonna make it through otherwise. I had yeah. To, I had to figure some stuff out, and <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't have time to sit there and play all That's day how long I, anymore. Uh, but. That game is actually. I beat the original Resident Evil Two a bunch of times. Oh yeah. This one. I kind of speaking of uh, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. I pitched out on this one. I got pretty far, and Mister um, Mr. X appears when the helicopter crashes. He starts stalking you, and I made it probably like another three hours. Those fucking footsteps, man! They just stress and you out. It got to a point where it was like, okay, I play video games at the end of the day after training, usually before bed to relax. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm just coming home, and then. I'm paying money and waste and spending time to have a panic attack. Yeah, that's like, a pretty good description. <laughs> of it. I don't know yeah. if I want to keep playing this yeah, game it's... because it's just it's so well done as far as horror goes. But it was the the balance of of stress and anxiety to fun was so overwhelming. Oh yeah, that I'm like, ah, you know what? I've already proven I'm out of pitch in other places. I don't need to beat this game. Yeah, so I gave, I gave up. I need to go back. I think. I've also read, though, once you figure Mech- Mr. X out, like the AI, yeah. that he actually becomes kind of simple and dumb. It, it, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Even even on hardcore, you just you just got to stay ahead of him. You know, yeah. he's always following you around. He never really lets you relax. But there's like, you learn which rooms he won't come into. Yeah. And you kind of go in those rooms and wait for him to go away. And, you know, so it, it it does become a lot more simple. But every once in a while, he's somewhere you just don't expect him. You go through a door and he's right there, you know. So <laughs> that's a little yeah. stressful. But are you going to get the. Have you seen the trailer for a Resident Evil 3 remake? I It keeps coming up on my on my feed you know i haven't watched the trailer the algorithm but, knows <laughs> yeah the algorithm Dane, knows watch well i've searched enough on there for google that it knows it knows what i want but yeah, yeah I'll, I'll definitely end up playing it so that that one um i think i'm gonna play i never beat three on ps1 i beat resident evil one and two on ps1 but i never played nemesis on ps1 partially because uh, that's my parents started cracking down on ratings. Yeah. And so the Resident Evil, that got kicked out real fast. <laughs> My mom was like, she was pretty chill with everything except for Grand Theft Auto, man. Ooh. She did not like Grand Theft Auto. That was immediately like taken back to Blockbuster and... You know, Is it I because we've talked about this again. before? There was a lot of news stories about Grand Theft. Like it was on the the local news. This video, <laughs> apparently, local video game. You can take a prostitute, have sex <laughs> with her, get money, or get your health back, and then kill her and take your money back. Which is true. You definitely can't do that. I think she walked in while I was killing the prostitute. <laughs> and just saw a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think she read any news article. I think she like walked in and kind of saw what the game was about. Saw me like steal a guy's car or something. Yeah, and I was like, "What the hell is this game?" 
But no, she was pretty chill for the most part. Like Resident Evil horror games, she was all cool with that. So was it Grand Theft Auto Three, the first one on PS Two? Oh man, I don't even remember. I because I never owned the game. I remember like you, renting, you renting it. it yeah. I remember renting it, and then I think a friend might have brought one over at some point, and she sent him home with the game. Or something. <laughs> like, it was not well received, but yeah, that one was very common. Um, I think it was Vice. So there's there's three of them on PS2 that they all got quite a bit of negative press about the adult content. There's Grand Theft Auto 3, which was, you play as Tommy, like this Italian dude. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 2 is like the 80s Vice City. Everything's like 80s vibe. And then San Andreas, you play as CJ, this black dude from the hood. And that one had a lot of drama because apparently there was this uh, infamous hot coffee mod. It was like a scene, a sex scene that got taken out of the game. Like you couldn't actually access it from the game, but through glitching the game by by you doing something with coffee and like it's the same thing speedrunners do when they glitch a game to like make go through faster and get through a wall. Uh-huh. Somehow you can glitch the game and get this scene to play that originally was cut. A sex scene, and it's a sex scene, and it, that got like all this crazy. Oh, yeah. My parents saw that on the news, and I I think it was the third one. I had been playing Grand Theft Auto quite a bit. But my parents were. They were well. I, they were hardcore on the ratings, but I learned if I got good grades, they stopped paying attention. <laughs> Found a loophole, man. It is a loophole, and yeah. I have. I remember preaching to homies like, "Bro, it's not that hard to just do your homework. <laughs> like, just get it done, and you're gonna be able to hang out and do more shit." I'm telling you, because you come home with straight A's, they're like, "Oh, they just okay. You must you must be up to like you." can't be up to no good you got straight a's yeah. like it makes a statement and they just stopped paying attention and but my dad saw that shit online and came down and i wasn't even playing it and he saw you have grand theft auto right i think i've seen you play this this there's a game called grand theft auto i just saw it on the news like, oh no oh it's uh, time to hide it yeah then the uh, it got taken away and then they, they cracked down quite a few times on that shit they were uh, they were really anal about movies too and when the rating system came out, I ha- I lost some games retroactively. Oh man! Because like when I first got them, they didn't. There was no ratings, right? Yeah. But then when they came out, my my parents were like, "Oh, we're so happy because we've always wanted that about games." And and uh, so then they just looked up all my games, what the rating was, and yeah, Uh-oh. I lost some games. <laughs> it was rough times, rough times for me. Oh man! Yeah. yeah. So you had obviously. I think so. You, you must have had a PS2 if you played a Grand Theft Auto because the PS1 Grand Theft Auto was like top-down shitty graphics. I don't think it would have offended anybody. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I had a yeah I had a PS2 for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I skipped PS3. That makes sense. I think that's the lowest-selling PlayStation console yeah, yeah. of all time. Yeah, but... I think yeah I think that one's the lowest. So you had so you went Genesis. Well, you PC. Genesis. Did you have a PS One in between? I had a PS One. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I had a PS One. This is this is my favorite area. This yeah. is my. Uh, the Genesis was my first console, but I was younger. The PS One for me is. So I played Resident Evil One. It's on. like the 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 golden era yeah. of gaming for me. What did you play on PS One? Uh, Resident Evils. The Resident Evils. Um, there was a game I really liked. 
called Treasures of the Deep. Did you ever play that game? Treasures of the Deep. It was like a submarine game. You're going on these underwater adventures. Oh, I did not play it, but I I know you're talking. I remember the box it's art. It's really yes. fun, man. I really enjoyed that game. Interesting. Um, Definitely the first person that's brought up Treasures of the yeah, Deep. Yeah, it was a fun game, man. Um, I'm trying to remember what else. What else do I have? Oh man, yeah, I'm drawing a blank. It's been a long time. The Resident Evils definitely stand out the most. Yeah, for sure. Your I parents love those games. Toy Chill about oh, that. Tomb Raiders. Like oh yeah, Tomb, Tomb Raiders. Raider. Tomb Raider was awesome. Yeah, I think. What What was on PS One? Was just one and two. Ah oh, man, that's. Good. I think there might be three Tomb Raiders. My memory is the first one, and the the part that stands out to me of that first Tomb Raider is, I don't know if you remember fighting the T-Rex. I don't remember There's a that. part where there's a yeah. T-Rex, and just the scale, I had never seen, like, and, and I'm like, whoa, this thing is huge, <laughs> and uh, it freaked me out, like, a, it felt like a real T-Rex, and obviously, Laura Croft was stacked, <laughs> even in her triangle boob days, and that was, that's pretty legit for a, yeah, an internet-less. Go movie. all grandma's boy. What? You go all grandma's boy. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Laura Croft. She's I didn't I played the first two on PS one, but there's a whole man, there's a whole grundle of Tomb Raiders on PS two. Then they have the reboots out now. Yeah. I think there's three of the reboot ones and I've I haven't played any of those. I haven't, I haven't played them either. I've kind of I I thought about it the other day, you know, ah, maybe I should play Tomb Raider again. That was a fun game, but I've heard they're good. Really? Yeah. I'll yeah, have to give I've, it a try. I played the first of the reboots like six hours in I got kind of far it felt did you ever play Uncharted yeah yeah. It's actually like, that's the first game I bought when I bought my PS4 really yeah Which, did you get the collection and play all of them no or Uncharted uh, 4 I don't even know 4 looking for the it's the PS4 one that you yeah, got yeah I believe that's yeah. uh, Uncharted 4 something that's the it's the last one you, the is that the one recent. where you, I think you start out in a boat in the storm, the very beginning, sounds the first about mission. Right, yeah. yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, I think there's a flashback is. mission where you play like young Nathan and he escapes yeah, the orphanage. That's it. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's, that's it. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, that one's a badass. Yeah, I had really a good. lot of fun with that man. That was the first game I played when I bought my PS4. So, and I took a few years off of gaming. PS4 was kind of my my first step back in probably four or five years. You know, so what have you played on PS4 this far? Uh, the Resident Evil Two. Um, Uncharted, um, some Medal of Honors. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what else I have. Uh, what's the game? It's exactly like Fallout, but it's like medieval times. Skyrim. Skyrim. Yeah, I it's played Skyrim. Skyrim. Yeah, Skyrim was fun. I mean, it was a little, little too involved for my <laughs> time limitations, I guess. But, um, yeah, man. My students just bought me a game, actually. They're like, oh, you're going to, you know, I don't know. I'm not super up to date on what game is gaming it? now. I forget. It's a zombie game because I knew I liked Resident Evil. And they're like, you got to play this game. You got to play this game. So for Christmas, a couple of my students pulled together and got me a game. I'm trying to think of zombie. It might, uh, Last of Us? Last of Us. That's Dude. what it is. Yep. That's what it is. I Challenge you have to play that game. Oh, I'll play it for sure, man. You have to play that game. That might be 
the, I could dip, there's like it's hard to say like what just like jujitsu like who's the greatest jujitsu athlete of all time. There's no such thing. There's yeah. no such thing as greatest video game of all time. Some, not 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 a thing you can put a number to, right? So, but if you really just like want to be stubborn and try to name greatest video game of all time, a lot I think Last of Us would be in the the discussion. Wow, yeah. it's really. I mean, it's 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 a PS3 game actually. Uh-huh. It's remastered on the PS4, so it's going to be a little dated as far as graphics and maybe some gameplay elements. Um, but the open—I don't want to like you—you're not super up to date, so you probably haven't been spoiled on it, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So you don't know anything enough. going. Good. Nope. <laughs> I don't. You don't want to know anything going into All right. it. It has arguably like one of the best intros of a video game. Like this—the opening segment kind of like sets. Like unravels what this game's about and sets the tone in, in like a way, especially in gaming at the time. Uh-huh. Now it's not as groundbreaking because it's not as new. Yeah, but at the, I still think it's going to be good. I don't want to hype it up too much, but at the time, like the opening sec- sec- section finishes, and I just was like already kind of tearing up, like oh, wow. crying, yeah. and like, oh, this is this is not this is this is an adult game, yeah. not adult like you know, naked and drugs and. Like adult themes, like dark. Yeah. And uh, but and then the ending, the ending is like the new, the new Last of Us is coming out pretty soon, which mm-hmm. you should probably play the first one because the new one's going to be dope as shit. Yeah. <laughs> the ending is like an ending that is still talked about. Like it's, I don't, I can't ruin anything. A lot of people listening, probably, yeah. It's just I don't want to ruin it, but uh, the ending is very. It makes you think. Oh, wow, you you've built it up, man. I'm excited now. Yeah, and it, yeah. I, I might have overhyped it, but it's one of the the. It's like that the new God of War, probably the new Last of Us. As far as at least when it comes to like story driven games, yeah. And like, I mean, it's it's the the performances, the themes, the dialogue, how the the world is fleshed out. There's some weird gameplay elements like. Let's say you'll use a ladder a lot, like to the point where you're like, "Oh, I've done this ladder thing." It's like a, they repeat some puzzles. It's not perfect, but yeah. man, yeah. you got to play that game. Nothing and you else. love post-apocalyptic. I love it, man. I like uh, I like adventure games where there's puzzles to solve, yeah. and things to work through. You know, it's a mix of action. So. It plays like a cover shooter. Have you played maybe Gears of War? I've never played Gears of War. Yeah, I had a lot of friends that were super into it, but I never never played it. No. It's essentially a stealth cover shooter. It's more stealth based than it is action because you're you're scavenging, trying to survive. Like it's it's like the end of the world zombie apocalypse. Uh, what I like about that game is their twist on the zombies. This doesn't ruin anything. Instead of being a regular zombie outbreak, it's the result of a fungus. Yeah. Oh, cool. And it like it's based on. I'm sure I don't know if you listen to Rogan. He harps about this all the time. That that fungus that like takes over praying mantises. And oh yeah! Gets in their brain and makes them like get in the water and kill themselves and drown and then it grows. Yeah, it's a it's like a, a spin uh, on that. It's a fungus that takes over and it gets in people's brains. That's and then really it makes interesting. Them crazy and then they grow weird shit and there's a whole. They thought of like a whole, almost like ecosystem of how this fungus and that plays into the gameplay elements. In certain oh. areas you can't breathe and it's it's pretty dope. Yeah, that's really interesting. What is that? I mean. It's kind of like a, in the cordyceps family, right? That fungus. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've, I've heard Rogan talk about that before. Yeah, I, I think you'll I think you'll like it. Yeah, it's, that's really cool. Expl- and they're not normal because of it. It's not like your regular zombie. 
Like there's some of them they call the screechers or whatever. So the fungus will some of them it will grow to a certain point where it like replaces the person's head and their oh, head yeah. is grown out. And they can't see. But they use echolocation. So they screech <laughs> and then based on like what they hear. And so the stealth you don't have to worry about line of sight, which a lot of stealth games play uh-huh. on. You have to worry about audio. Line of sight oh, doesn't matter because they can't yeah. see you. They can only hear. And so then some then some enemies can see you. Some and they normally that's, and then other ones are in echolocation. Then they mix it up. That's kind of cool. So you can't make much noise. That's kind of like how yeah. Resident Evil was. You know, there's the Resident Evil Two, the remake. There was the yeah. The, um, what are those th- liquors? The liquors. Liquors. Yeah. yeah. The liquors Very can hear you. Very similar to yeah. the liquor. And then. Uh, um, Mr. X, he can hear you also. If you yep. walk quietly, he won't catch up to yep. you as fast. So. I would say, yeah, they have an enemy really similar to the liquor. Interesting, And yeah. then what they'll do is they mix it up. So you have, like, human enemies, certain uh, fungus enemies, and maybe, like, some liquor-type enemies. And they just throw you in the constantly different variations of enemy combinations. Uh-huh. And it forces you to really, like, action, stealth, action, like, go back and forth and think about it. I think so. The gameplay is pretty fun. The puzzles are are decent. The story's amazing, and uh, and the new version again comes out this year, just awesome. in time yeah. after you Very beat. Very cool. Yeah, just in time. I'll have we'll to... have you back on, and I'm, and I'm going to follow up with. Yeah, we'll follow you. up, man. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll get to work. <laughs> I would love to uh, talk about the ending of that game. It'd be yeah, it'd be interesting. What you? It's just interesting to hear anyone talk about the ending of that game. It, it's really. Have you ever seen a movie or a show where there's no clear good or bad guy and they're very well at like explaining everyone's yeah. motivations and even though they're doing bad things, you understand why they're doing bad things and it's hard to know what's right yeah, and wrong? it's hard to pick a side. Yeah, it's, yes. not, it's not cut and dry. Yeah, that's, I like that though. That yeah. <laughs> makes you think, you know. It's yeah, more, it's more like is. real life, you know. Did you uh, – so you had PS1. Then you had PS2, it sounds like. You took a break, skipped PS3. I had an Xbox for a little while, too. Did you get into Halo? A lot of guys get into Halo. Uh, I played Halo, but I wasn't super into it, mostly just because I sucked at it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had a couple friends that were, like, super into Halo, and they just kicked my ass so bad. Um, I remember playing, like, was it Modern Warfare? on? That's a, Yeah, that's yeah. a very popular shooter. It's really fun, but there were, like, the... They were like the challenge levels, like so. You know, you could we'd all like, pl- you know, get together and play together on our console. But I like just playing alone, playing through the levels. And I think you could get like a star rating system. Yeah, you get like four stars. And you have like the highest score on a level or something. And, and it was difficult, man. It was really hard playing the computer. Um, but yeah, I, I had fun with that. And that was kind of like. That was while I was fighting professionally, you know, and so... So you would game even while you, when you oh, were yeah. fighting? Yeah, it's kind of my way of relaxing. Yeah. Dude, we all would. So Ramsey Nijam, Court McGee, myself, Steven Siler, we would all get together and just play video games after fight team. You know, we lived right behind the gym. Several of us lived together. Another couple of them, our fight team members lived, you know, just... Uh, couple doors down in an apartment so we'd just get together and have who was who was king kahuna for at video gaming out of the group <sighs> hard to say man i yeah man <sighs> i don't remember man i remember court was super into it though like he would play till all hours of the <laughs> court, court was into freaking metal is he the most man. competitive 
Uh, hard to say. I don't know. I'd get burned out on just, you know, just the duels, just the monotony. I'd be like, (laughs) and even when I lived out in California, like I remember Ramsey in court and, um, a guy named Danny Gunn would come out and they'd stay at my house. I lived on the pit compound with John, John Hackleman and I lived in this like kind of little, uh, little house off to the side. And, um, you know, they'd just come play video games for hours all through the night, man. And at some point, I'd just get up and go to bed. I couldn't do it as long as those guys. I didn't have the stamina, but I think it's a good way to relax and fight camp, yeah. you know, and kind of get your mind off the, the fight and whatever else. All the stress of training for a fight. But yeah, I didn't know. Times, so man. for a period of your fighting career, you lived in California. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I moved out for probably year and a half a little over a year i lived in san luis obispo county in arroyo grande and i ran um john hackleman's gym i was like the head instructor at the the pit headquarters arroyo grande and i lived on the pit compound so for those of you who don't know um john hackleman is world famous mma coach he coached chuck liddell he's coached you know Glover Teixeira, a bunch of really famous guys. He's one of Court's main coaches, but he uh, he has his gym in Arroyo Grande, and he uh, has his house up in the woods above Arroyo Grande, and it's kind of just this, like, it's hard to describe. It's just like a, it's just this backwoods training facility out in the middle of nowhere and he's got like this cage that he built out in the woods and he's got all sorts of torture implementations <laughs> all over just laying around his his driveway and so you go over there and he just works you to death you know just has all these terrible workouts for you to do and has hard training and it's kind of cool it's like the karate kid time of my life yeah you know? so there is a magic to uh uh to like kind of run down beat up training oh absolutely you know and and being out in the woods in the middle of nowhere and there's like this dusty old cage outside and and you've got this world famous coach that's kind of hard on you and a great personality john hackleman having you hit mitts and you know do wheelbarrow pushes up his driveway he had these weighted wheelbarrows and he would like be like you have to get a wheelbarrow and it has to be your walking weight, not your fighting weight. You know, so I you know, have to get a wheelbarrow that was like 175 pounds. And then <laughs> he'd have us do these races. So you'd have like sprint races with this 175 pound wheelbarrow up his super steep driveway. That was like quarter of a mile long, you know, and just terrible workouts you'd have to do. How good of shape were you in then compared to now? It blows my mind how, uh, Anytime I've rolled with someone who used to fight MMA, yeah. and I'm like, this is you, like, after you've gotten, like, and you still freak me out. Oh, man. I mean, I was in a lot better shape than I am now. I I consider myself very out of shape right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, when you're training for fighting, it, it's almost to the point, you know, you have to say, where where's the point when this is good for me and bad for me? Yes. 
And like, do you feel you maybe went overboard? Oh, absolutely. I think I, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Like those wheelbarrow bushes I was telling you about. I think I permanently damaged, you know, my some discs in my back. I have bad bulging discs in my low back. And I, yeah, I know you have some back problems. Yeah, I think I have that exercise to blame for much of it. You know, but, <laughs> And I was talking to one of my pro fighters tonight. You know Mitch. Yes. Mitch is he seems awesome. very aware about how to do everything smart. He's very aware. And there's there's more information that I was finding. I mean, it hasn't been that long, but things have progressed so much. There's just more information. People are smarter about how they're training. They're taking care of their bodies better. And we were talking about some of his upcoming fights, and he may have an offer in four weeks, you know. And so I was like, man, okay, we – like, how do you feel about a short training camp? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm in a baseline of fitness. You know, I don't want to go through a super long camp. Like, I'm, I'm done with those super long camps. Like, super long camp is just hard on your body. And I was like, yeah, you're right, dude. Like, you know, where do you pass that point of diminishing, diminishing returns. returns? Yeah, yeah. You know, where is it that I'm just breaking down my body and where is it that I'm peaking? And it, you have to be really in tune with your body to know where that line is. And I think that... Mitch is one guy who knows his body really well. He pays attention. He does the research. He's very well educated on that stuff. And I think that industry-wide, that's kind of where fighters are going, you know, is just being a little bit smarter where before it was kind of an old-school mentality, like you just got to grind it out, and if it hurts, you push through it. And Mm -hmm. if you're injured, you push through it, whatever, you know. But um, I think you're going to see fighters having longer careers and healthier careers. Um, moving forward. Anyway, that's what I hope. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, delved into th- the information in that world a little bit, mainly because of jiu-jitsu. I was like, well, if I want to do this for a long time, and I I went from no problems ever. Like, my body never hurt in any way, yeah. shape, or form, ever. I, I, I lifted and ran. That was my, my – I had been lifting and running. I did have some knee problems from running, but as soon as I like – I should take that back. I did have knee problems from running. But other than – How uh, far were you running? Like were you a distance runner? My, it wasn't like a hardcore distance runner. It was anywhere from – I would smoke weed and run like at night. Um, Perfect. I basically got into it to lose weight because this is a long – crazy. I was like the last pick. You know what? They say like the last pick for kickball? Yeah. Well, this is the same situation except for I was in a a, a house of dudes – that lived like six dudes that lived together and a girl came and she would say what would we say she was thirsty oh, we could say this <laughs> and she kept trying to get with each roommate and getting shut down and she ended up and i saw this going down but i was like playing video games in my room and like there's always girls coming and going there's a house of six dudes right yeah, there's always people sure. coming and going i noticed it but then i noticed her try to get with a roommate who i considered lower than me on the totem pole <laughs> but she went to him first and then came to me last and I, I like called her i was like i know what's up and like yeah, i'm last pick she, and, and uh we kissed for a second and she said never mind and left i think she was so disgusted by me anyway it was like a wake-up call so i got into running deep i just like woke up started running uh i was already i was always lifting weights i started lifting weights because i went and sold alarms and um all the dudes with the weights. Yeah. So I just did it because everyone it got me into it. Um, but I trimmed down and then um, I got way into running and my ritual, kind of like what jujitsu is now replaced. 
is yeah. it was like my nighttime thing. Like it kept me anchored. I would smoke weed and just run and run. Some days it was long, some days it was little, and it just like meditation. But I'd say at the peak when I started having knee problems was selling alarms in St. Louis, and I was doing like seven to eleven miles a day. But it, I think the biggest problem was it was all on concrete or asphalt. Yeah. And were I, you focused on like technique at that point? Not like at how all. your I was foot just running. Yeah, you were just, just pounding pavement. Just fucking run, right? Yeah. Smoke weed and run. And get I like I got addicted to the high, right? Get to yeah. that point where you like getting this weird delusional and uh I started having knee problems. I would wake up and go down the stairs in the morning to the, the sales meeting. I'd be real stiff and it would take me like hours like during the day to like yeah. get my knees and I'm like, ah, but then they'd feel fine. Yeah, go, you loosen go, them up and you feel okay. Yeah, and yeah. I would go running that night and feel fine. And then until one day my knees locked up and I had to call someone to come pick me up. It Oosh, just locked up yeah. and I sat down on the, the sidewalk and was just like, dude, I can't move. And then yeah. I, I laid off for a couple of days. We went and saw a movie and my knee had locked up in the movie, but I didn't know. Like it was just sitting uh-huh. and, and then I went to stand up. And like I could stuck, yeah. They were stuck, and it was like stuck, stuck. Like I would, and they wouldn't move, and so I stopped running. Uh, but yeah, I got. I don't even know why we were talking that shit about freaking running. Why did we get here? How did we get to running? I have no idea. I have no just, idea. Just go with it, man. Oh, you talk about your body yeah. breaking down your body. Oh yeah. So I was saying I had no problems. I take that back. I had run, but as soon as I stopped running, I took a break. I got back into it with a knee brace. Uh, my worst knee and I ran on grass and I continued to do that all the way up until I got married I was running all the time I did the, the music label with my friends we run all the time then I switched to jiu-jitsu so other than knee but then my first year of jiu-jitsu I tried to lift still lift weights every day do jiu-jitsu most days yeah. and I went from no problems to shoulder, neck, back yeah. hip <laughs> every, <laughs> Inside hips, outside hips, lower back, upper back, my left side of my shoulder. I would have these like crazy. I would be like watching TV, and it would just. I'm sure you've had this because you did crazier, crazier training. I would just like, and then I would get like a shock or a pain. Boom! My elbow would like freak out, and then it would go away. Just have like, what was that? Crazy cramp, and what was that? Then, and you know, the next day I'm like moving. Then all of a sudden, something crazy would happen. And uh, that's why I got way into stretching, and I'm always stretching. It fixed yeah. all that for me. That's good. I, I, we've talked about this before. I need to stretch more. Yeah, I hate stretching, and I think smoking weed would probably facilitate it definitely, that. But it definitely helps. There's a pattern with me. It's smoking weed and doing something physical. Yeah. That combination. I uh, yeah, I was running. Then it was jujitsu and stretching. Do you think you'd ever run again to kind of like? supplement your jiu-jitsu or is it just a time thing i've done sprints a few times but the problem i have with running which is also what i think if i ever get hurt i guarantee i'll quit jiu-jitsu and never come back oh man because i don't, I don't like, like that <laughs> i don't like i go to try to run and i'm so not where i used to be and i remember what my performance was yeah. and the thought of like trying to work all the way back up to that and, and i get really discouraged like dude i just like I ran one of my what was my time again on that mile and my like damn I'm I'm disgusted with myself so I just we're gonna pretend like that's not real I'll just keep doing more jujitsu I've I have tried to run a few times but I've noticed my uh, shins and ankles I think it's because I have a day job where I sit yeah this is something I, people don't talk about 
like this i know the sitting is killing me and i've been doing like i got the barefoot shoes to try to help with my feet strength and have no support and help me uh relearn running better on my toes yeah so instead of my heels Four keep my strike. knees okay yeah. but uh and even though I, I squat, I do the kettlebells, I do squats, I do lifting, I do – I've been doing more stand-up stuff. With also the jiu-jitsu and passing, you get a lot of like – my legs get a workout, but I don't – I think sitting ruins like the stability in your knees and your shins and your ankles because when I run, I don't get tired, but my shins and my ankles yeah, and my hips they're start not like – conditioned to that It's not – like something's not right. Yeah. There is something to that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I feel it in my back, too. I mean, I think a lot of people have back problems from sitting. It's from sitting, yeah. And I mean, I mean, we talked about my commute. I drive a long ways, and I kind of, maybe I'm not sitting with the best posture or whatever. But yeah, I feel like half the time I get to the gym to work out, my back's already messed up. And I'm like, yeah. and I just get out of my car, and I'm already, <laughs> I'm already walking funny, you know? So. Yeah, back scares me. Back, knees, and neck. I guess shoulders too. There's some guys that have had bad shoulder injuries and had a surgery. But my, my fear is if I get injured, that same thing will happen with jiu-jitsu. I'll, I'll take six, nine months off. I'll get sick and I'm obsessive, right? So that six or nine months, you think I'm going to just not do anything at the same time as jiu-jitsu? Yeah. I'm going to be finding something else. And what will happen is when I get better, it's, I'll have all this momentum for whatever the next thing I'm obsessed about. Yeah. And then trying to go back to jiu-jitsu, it's like, oh, I suck. All these people that I used to smash, now they're smashing me and blah, blah. Screw it. Like that's – I know that will happen, which is why I've been so anal about the stretching because I don't yeah, want to get injured. don't want to get injured, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to make jiu-jitsu a lifestyle. It's like – what I always tell people is it's like it's not about being the best. It's just like finding that flow state and being on the mat, you know. It's true. Just making it a lifestyle, longevity. So. But I, I'm a I'm a fickle partner. It's like I've left many hobbies that I was just as obsessed with as jujitsu. So I can definitely leave jujitsu as I've left. You know, I know it's a fear. No. And just like recently, I'm sure you've seen this. I was talking to a new guy that came into Lehigh Judo Club, and he's a little bit bigger. And I was like, yeah, we had this other guy that was uh, really big when he first came in, and he dropped. I was trying to motivate him, and he dropped a bunch of weight, and he actually got really good. I think he was he's probably close to getting his blue belt. And then I was like, Danny, where's George been? I haven't seen him for a while. Hey, probably listen. George or John, I meant. It's like, oh, he just said not all white belts make it to blue belt. Like, he quit. For, yeah. I don't remember why. And it was just it kind of like – Another out. guy like really bummed me out because I really respected him. He was older. I think he was probably like 45. Yeah. And he came in to try to like change up because he was pretty big. And dude, he got – he came for like a maybe a year, a little bit more than a year, very consistently. Dropped a bunch of weight and started being a real problem yeah. because he started getting some technique behind that weight. I let tough. him start in side control and be like, oh, shit. Like what if I I don't know if I can let him start in side control anymore yeah. because he's still pretty heavy but now he knows how to use all that and he knows how to transition and becomes a real problem and I was I thought it was awesome you know and then he 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 uh, he bails and I know that could be me too and that that really goes to anything whether it's like I went really hard on drums for a while that was I wanted to be a snowboarder first I realized real quick though I didn't have the uh, natural talent that it took that's a hard one yeah I that's... picked. Yeah, I knew that was bad. I think for snowboarding, it's like 
it's more of just like a fear, fearlessness and a lack of regard for your own personal health and well-being. There's like, definitely that. But I also think there's an element of – I got to the point where I had the fearlessness and, and I, I did make some good progress. Um, but the problem is there was a, there was kids that had a much better knack, whether they did gymnastics as a kid, yeah. for being inverted and moving for their moving body. moving their body in space and, so and that air awareness. Less reps to get to the point where they weren't getting hurt. Yeah. So were you like a park rider or what? Both, yeah. yeah. I tried – I mean I tried everything. I wanted to be uh, – and I, I taught uh, – we knew this. You were at Sundance. I taught snowboarding at Sundance. Yeah. That's when yeah, I was still kind of yeah. like 17, 18 – um, I was, I kind of, I knew by then I had some, I had already gotten hurt enough and I'd already noticed what I noticed really quickly is just, again, the amount of reps. I try something a hundred times and get fucked up 50 of those times. Yeah. This kid tries it six times, gets hurt once and he's got it. Yeah. You know, that... And like a lot and some kids even more like, I can't, I just, look, I can work, I can outwork people. But the problem also with snowboarding was driving there you're a kid right you can't drive yeah. whose mom's going to take you to park city whose mom's going to take you home <laughs> snowboarding and skiing are a rich kid sport yeah, yeah can yeah. you can you be signed up for the park city ski team or the snowbird ski team or whatever yeah. you know and it, do you have like you know a mom with a range rover who's going to take you up there <laughs> whatever yeah all the new gear and this and that and like it is not cheap i mean i mean so I worked at Sundance. I was a ski patroller at Sundance for several years. But um, Sundance is kind of the smaller. It's a smaller resort. Lower yeah. cost resort. It's kind of a locals resort in the area. And I see the prices for our ski team up there. And it's astronomical, man. It's absurd. It's <laughs> yeah. like, how the hell do people afford this? How are this? people doing this? Plus, you got to drive your kid up there every day. And it's like, you know, it's up the canyon. It's out of the way from everything. It's just, and then you got to buy them gear and you got to buy them winter clothes. You got to buy them, you know, the latest and greatest of everything. And it's just, I don't know how people afford it, man. When you were at a, do a lot of guys game at Sundance on their phones or something while killing time? Oh, yeah, man. (laughs) What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I figured. Sitting in the top track gaming. (laughs) So I have one of my best friends in the world. Love this kid to death. Um, and he was fighter with me. His name's Trevor Mellon. And uh, amazing fighter. You can look him up. He had a great record. Um, and uh, should have been in the UFC if it wasn't for I've heard you know, you talk about yeah, unfortunate I've heard set of circumstances. I really want him to teach at the gym. He's a good black belt. He's an all, He just doesn't train really anymore. And it's, it's kind of like what you're talking about. You know, he kind of – he got married this last year – super happy for him you know he's happy he's doing well but he's just kind of gotten out of the swing of jujitsu and fighting and um and it's been tough to get it's him hard back, to go back yeah he's a hardcore gamer man you got to get Ooh. him on some do you think he'd come on oh yeah hell dude. yeah I, let's do I, it I, yeah I'll what did he play uh ski shack days i don't know but he was <laughs> he was very angry about it and he was taking all the bandwidth from our like free wi-fi or oh yeah that and makes he was sense just, he has like a famously bad temper so it was always like so funny it'd be like in the top shack you know all the ski patrollers we have to wait in a top shack kind of like 
think of like firefighters waiting at a fire station. You have to be somewhere centralized and all together in case something goes, in down. Case something goes down. And then, you know, and obviously for skiing, we move one direction, we move downhill. So we have to be up there with our equipment. You know, one or two people can go out and ski, but the rest of us have to weigh up there. And then if something goes down, we all have to leave. So we're just stuck in a shack pretty much most of the day. So how often would you have something go down where you had to leave the shack? Oh, it depends on how busy it is. I mean, you'd, you'd have a couple days where nothing went down and then suddenly you'd have a few days where you're out all day long. It's just one after another after yeah, another yeah. Of bad stuff. So it just depends. But you need this to say you have a lot of time. Yeah, you have a lot of time. So people would game hardcore, but Trevor was like just famous for just going nuts and he'd be screaming at his phone and throwing <laughs> stuff around and then he'd be like my fucking game's lagging everybody's on the goddamn wi-fi give me your phone dang give me your phone and he'd like turn off my wi-fi and like take everybody's phone turn off their wi-fi and then you know <laughs> be swearing at his video game or whatever but he's a character man love the kid yeah you gotta have him on he's yeah. hilarious dude he's still gaming a lot you think uh, I don't know, man. I Maybe mean, the wife shut that down. Yeah, I doubt it, dude. I I think he's probably still gaming, but uh, he's like, yeah, he's he's doing good. He's married now and doing really good. But I haven't spent as much time with him this year as I normally do because you know I'm not skiing this year. I'm running the gym, so um, I'm not sure what I'm not sure if he's still gaming hardcore or not. I know he was trying to kind of tone it down last year. <laughs> He's getting a little out of hand. He has this, uh, so, you know, he'd play on his computer, and he had this big screen TV, and we we both started uh, ski patrolling because we wanted to get, we wanted to be firefighters, you know, so we went through the fire academy together, and I'd go over, and we'd, you know, in the fire academy, we have knot tests, and we'd, you have to tie all these, you know, somewhat complex knots in a certain amount of time and it's pretty difficult you know it's not not that easy and so anyway one day trevor was like trying to tie all these knots super quick and he's getting super frustrated and we were practicing in his house and he got so pissed off that he takes this rope and just hucks it across the room and shatters his big screen tv that was like his gaming tv so I was no. giving him a hard time about it. <laughs> I can feel his pain. I can definitely feel his pain because this TV is a replacement. So I have a TV, a gaming setup, and whatever. I was playing God of War. I have the same problem. Sometimes I get really pissed at video games, like really pissed. You're not I, uh, getting pissed. Have, You're not trying, man. Yeah, like Mr. X. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes I rage quit a video game like Resident <laughs> Evil 2. I was playing God of War, which... Is uh, more of my style. Like it's very difficult, but not panic. Just hard. Yeah. Like you, and uh, there's there's a there's a like a optional boss called the Valkyrie Queen. She's like the last optional boss, and she's stupidly hard. And I had done like one session already. This is like night two, and I'm probably like fifteen or twenty tries in. Each try is like oh, you know four to six minutes. Yeah. I've been there for a while, and I had my drum pad on my couch. I didn't throw anything, but I, I got her down like two or three times in a row, like the last little bit of life, right? And I fucked up right at the end, like two or three times in a row. And I just, motherfuckers, like slammed the couch with my <laughs> fist, and it launched my drum pad off oh, the couch directly no. into the TV. This is over Christmas break that I had got the day before for Christmas. 
shattered my brand new TV. Do you have any insurance on it or anything? No, I have never broken anything in my life. So I've always, anytime they ask insurance, like, hell no. I've never needed to use insurance once in my life, but this time it That's was... That's kind of a freak accident, though. It's hitting a, the couch and having something I hit the couch and it, it flew off. So now there's a rule. My kids, like, there's no drum pads on the couch. <laughs> I'm superstitious. And I ended up, luckily, like, I was in a good spot. I in, in the t- I bought, like, the cheap Black Friday TV. It was, like, 250 bucks for a 4K yeah, Samsung. That's a nice TV. Man. But it was, like, actually kind of shitty. Like, the TV oh, really? sucked. But you don't like it? So then I'm like, well, I just went and bought like a legit TV. Yeah. But all in all, I just told myself, well, this TV just costs $200, $50 more than yep. <laughs> the price says. I'm just buying one TV. But uh, I can feel his pain because uh, I was so stoked on that TV, brand new TV. And uh, yeah, got it because Smash of a video a game. TV, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So yeah, I got to have Trevor on so we can console yeah, our uh, broken hearts. Yeah, Trevor's funny, man. You'll love him. He's, he's I've hilarious. Heard- Great fighter too. Great jujitsu guy. You got to yeah, train I've with heard him not just you. I've heard that name come up. Yeah, before. no, he was he was a big UFC prospect for the state. Kind of had some bad luck, you know. Things didn't work out for him, but um, yeah, definitely super interesting guy. Big into video games. Loves his video games. You know. Um, did you guys ever play the UFC video games? Never. I don't like that type of video game. You know, I haven't tried it either. I've always wondered. I don't like sport video games. I just can't neither. get into it. I haven't so. played a lot of sports. But Steven Seiler, he is a sport video gamer. Is he a Madden guy? That's like the most <laughs> probably. probably. He loves football. and So he was our other roommate. So me and Trevor lived together for a long time when we were fighting. And, and Seiler lived with us. He slept on our couch. But yeah, he was always playing the football video games, and yeah, the guys that get into—I don't know a lot about it—but 2K and Madden. It seems that the kids that are into 2K and Madden, football or basketball, they get. I know a handful of dudes. My brother-in-law, uh, a good friend of mine that's been on the podcast, Audio Tree. Shout out to Hayne. They don't really play games, but they're religious about a sports game. Like yeah. one, and they buy it every year. It comes out, <laughs> and they have a console just for 2K, just for or that. just for Madden. Yeah. yeah. To get into it, Man, I always wondered if the UFC game was like semi accurate. And then Max, did you hear Max Holloway talk about the UFC game on his Rogan interview? No, I don't know if you caught I didn't that. Hear it. <laughs> so he said, up, I believe, up until the Connor fight, and after he lost the Connor fight. He got a like a legitimate striking coach. He never had a striking coach. Oh, really? He said oh. he would play the UFC video game and try to mimic the combos that worked on the video game. This is legit, real. You can watch it on Rogan. Think about. I know. I'm like thinking about Max Holloway and how chill he is, and this just is amazing, amazing striker too. Like he, and that's what's crazy. He's really good at striking. Yeah, but yeah, he did incredible. say that. After the Connor loss, he he knew that he needed to like to get to the next level. Yeah, he needed to bring someone in. But th- it's amazing that he got that far on just Absolutely. playing a video game. Playing a copy. video game, yeah. yeah, that's ridiculous. It is. It I and I when I heard that on the and even Rogan was like, "Wait, what? That sounds fake." <laughs> like a that video can't. game. What the fuck? He's like, "Yeah, man." And Max Holloway like, "Yeah, cause just play. It's just <laughs> that's what I did." And his his story about like how he started fighting, it took. He trained for like two or three times, like just tried it oh, out, and man. they offered him a fight. And he's like yeah. 16 and just like went for it. And his whole story is miraculous. I'll have to listen to him. I yeah, usually, it's good. I listen to Rogan a lot. I love Rogan, but I usually skip the fighter podcast just because 
that's like my life, man. You, you want know? a break from And I want a yeah. break from I want to listen to some nerdy science stuff or something. You know, I want to just. They'll, the science ones are my favorite. They're I've, my favorite for I sure. I think I've overdone Rogan a little bit. I'm starting to, it's no like nothing. I'm not knocking him. It's just kind of like you can only eat so much cheesecake before you yeah, want some apple sure. pie or whatever. <laughs> Got to take a little break from it. Yeah. But I do normally, if I see it's a, if it's a guy with gray hair. I'm, like, I'm gonna check this shit out. Like this might be dope. Do you watch them on YouTube? You don't listen to the podcast. Which one? Do you watch them on YouTube or you listen to the yeah, podcast? Yeah, I do. That yeah. When I while I work, I'll usually have. I kind of go back and forth. Uh, sometimes if the podcast is like too good, it's distracting from work because I'll go over to yeah, YouTube and I'll end sure. up like watching it for 15, 20 minutes. Like, oh shit, I'm not working. Um, I'll do like the MMA ones or the comedians in the background while I'm working. Yeah. And so sometimes after jujitsu, I'll come as back. Stimulated. <laughs> yeah, I'll and I'll watch. You know what's crazy about podcasts or just YouTube podcasts? There have been many, not just Rogan, some other ones, where instead of coming home and practicing drums or playing video games, I will sit and watch a podcast on YouTube for yeah, like two and a half, sure. and like just an interview, and I'm. It's really entertaining. And yeah, absolutely. If you would have said that when I was fifteen or thirty, or even said that not even as a teenager, but just said that in the nineties. That's you could just put an interview, for a three-hour interview, yeah. and people will watch it. Like, no, they wouldn't. That goes against all the rules. But it, man, it works. Like, I'll sit and I I'll like it. Do a stimulating conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it too, man. I mean, that's that's how I get through my drives. And yeah, you have you an know, hour drive. I have an day, hour yeah. drive both ways, and I'm really used to it because I, I worked at Sundance before that, and that was even longer. Is that your wife? You got a? Yeah, she's good. She's you all sure right. you're gonna she's be just, cool. Yeah, she's okay. <laughs> she'll be all right she's, she's just, gonna listen to this and be I like you she's, bitch <laughs> she's probably uh she's probably just about to get off work she's a bartender so oh, i think yeah, she's, she's and she's actually out a little early tonight so uh yeah she'll be cool but um what were we talking about i totally spaced out all of a sudden uh, what were we talking about rogan and uh oh yeah our drive yeah i like you know i listen to podcasts all the time and uh, books on tape, Audible, Audible's my jam. So, do what uh, I know. One, there's been a couple of times I've been to the gym. You played some music I liked. What music did you grow up listening to? Oh man, everything. <laughs> yeah, I listen to a little bit of everything. I mean, I know we both like Tool. Yeah, uh, we've talked about Tool before. You're gonna go to their concert. They're coming again real soon. Right? I got tickets for the. You got tickets already. Oh, you're not on Facebook. No. I don't think you're on Facebook. Man, I should have thought about you. I had an extra ticket, and I just gave wow. it away. Yeah. Well, I'll figure it out, man. We'll, we'll go. Yeah, <laughs> I bought I, I bought three tickets because I was going to bring my wife. And she's, she'll list – she'll – what's the word? She will – She'll tolerate. She tolerates <laughs> Tua because yeah. I like them. But the, the live show with the lasers and the visuals is so cool, and I showed her pictures from the last yeah. time, and she thought it looked awesome. I'm like, I'll take her, and maybe, maybe she'll like Tua a little bit more, but – so I bought for Didn't me and my brother out. and my wife, and then she came to me a few days later and was like, to be honest, I think you should probably give that ticket to someone else. Just like, not her thing. I'm just Doesn't not feeling it. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I offered it to one kid uh, who's been on the podcast before, and then he shut me down. He's like, oh, I got to do work. I'm like, man, it's hard to give away yeah, a no ticket. Kidding, and then man. I just posted on Facebook and like gave it to the first person who claimed it. It's yeah, cool. Yeah. So too bad. I should have. I forgot. I should have given it to you, man. My bad. What about uh, no? No worries, man. I mean, I'll I'll get a ticket, dude. I mean, I I missed the first one, so kind of scalpers got in ahead of me. But it, I did uh, the first time I did the five hundred dollar full on like 
VIP yeah. package. It's worth doing once. I don't know Not if I worth recommend doing it. it this time I bought, I think they were 110. It's like in the back, but in the middle. Like it was yeah. decent seats. What was, uh, what about like same genre, Nine Inch Nails? You into Nine Inch Nails at all? I had a mixed relationship with Nine Inch Nails <laughs> because this is the problem with music uh, I ran into is even Tool, I didn't get into until like my 20s. Yeah. Because I had a, I would judge bands based on the kids who liked them. Yeah. And so yeah, the f- some of the kids that were thing, like man, tool yeah. heads and nine inch nails heads, I liked the I liked darkness and I liked the yeah. like heavy stuff. But those kids kind of skip like. But if there's if there's like a dork who is super into a band, then you associate that with. Yeah, I would associate kids, like yeah. they just kids that kind of like. Honestly, the best way to say is people who made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, the trench coat wears. Yeah, trench coat wears, and like I, I worked with the kid. I made really good friends with one kid who was a nine-inch Trent Reznor worshiper. Yeah, uh, eats a pizza. I worked at Eats a Pizza on the oh, first awesome, like, real job. Wait, the one on uh, by Ultimate Electronics in Orem. It's like yeah, South Orem on State Street, kind of by the subway. Yeah, so dude, there, Pedro had a gym right two doors down from that. Really? That was one of the first gyms I trained at. I would have never noticed. Yeah, it was called Lotus Blossom. It was a Taekwondo Dude, gym. Dude, I do remember that. Yeah. So that I would have is, to walk by to take trash out. Yeah, so Pedro had a gym there and I was training. Dude, I was training hard there, man. Dang, small world. Yeah, super small world, man. That's funny. That place, <laughs> by the way, eats a pizza. I don't, I don't get a laugh. That place is sketch. So my first job, they that place was a a front for a drug operation. Really? Yeah. What kind and of drugs? And I was drugs? pretty naive. But I started figuring it out. I remember I they like, went out of business. We would go in there and eat after practice. And it was just like, how are they making money? Because I'm eating like three pizzas by myself. You know, I was yeah. like 17 or whatever. They, uh, that, yeah, I don't know if it was like a total front or a supplemental income or or like how many people were involved if like the because the owner owner guy wouldn't necessarily come in but the management was involved and like they were just like dealing out of oh really they're just dealing like what type of drugs like bad drugs or just you know at that drugs? time i didn't know anything i mean i was 16 still like ultra mormon <laughs> um but i do know that they one time there was a van parked out front and the manager went in and they had like an orgy in the van whoa and they were like smoking and stuff Holy like it was shit. in the back like it, this these guys were went sketchy hard. man and they were huh. and now that i'm older like i know they were doing coke i don't know if they were dealing coke and they were for sure dealing weed uh at the time weed was a lot bigger deal than it is now uh it, yeah that place was sketchy how did we talk about eats a pizza shit i don't know how we got onto the topic of eats a pizza but Trent Reznor. What? Trent Reznor. Nine Inch Nails. Oh, yeah. A kid that worked there. An, another young, naive. But he was this angry Mormon kid as well. But, like, he was uh, – he, I had so – yeah, he just got dealt some bad cards. And he was angry. And he would just sit and, like, scream and yell and listen to Trent Reznor in his car before <laughs> and after his shifts. And we were homies. But he also, like, creeped me out. Like, dude, he might snap and, like, yeah. he could Shoot kill me or anybody. Up, and uh, he loved Trent. He was always talking about Trent Reznor. So I, so that was your first association. That was my first association. My dad, though, my dad, even though he was insane Mormon, he used to be a rock star. He tried to be in a rock star, didn't work out, went ultra religious, but he still kind of held on to that. Yeah, he became really. He's very more stoic and anti music now. <laughs> but when I grew up, he would give me tapes. He gave me Nine Inch Nails, Primus, 
uh, was, oh, it, was awesome, a big huh? deal. Uh, yeah, really those two, Nine Inch Nails, Primus, Tool, 311, uh, Mr. Bungle. And uh, so I liked it. I knew my dad was kind of, I thought it was cool, right? Because uh-huh. my dad at the time, he still is like really religious, but I knew he had this like this other side hidden yeah. rock star <laughs> past he never talked about. We could never get him to talk about it because he did crazy shit, didn't want us to know about it. And I thought it was so cool. So I thought his music was cool. And he liked Nine Inch Nails, so I liked that a little bit. But then, yeah, kids. And then tool heads, man. I get it now. Now I am the tool head that used to annoy me. But growing up, I played drums. And all the, the music scene, the kids were just like, just they worship tool. And I'd be like, these guys are posers. I'm like, that band <laughs> must be whatever. And But I do remember hearing Lateralis. I was late. So Anima had already come out. When Lateralis, Lateralis came out, this the kid who I didn't have a ton of respect for, made us listen to it on our friend's home theater system and I didn't want to admit that it was dope. <laughs> he didn't want to admit because, that he liked it. Because he should, yeah. That was gonna, this kid named Brian McQuay, I'm, I'm homies with him now but at the time there was like drama and I didn't think he was as cool as me. <laughs> but damn, I heard The Grudge on that which is still might be my favorite Tool song of all time. That opening and it's like hit and I, in the back of my mind I was like fuck he's right <laughs> Tool is dope as shit <laughs> yeah yeah I loved Tool um, that, but it took me a while I got, did you ever get into Mars Volta no no. did you do Perfect Circle yeah absolutely yeah. For Perfect sure. Circle was a big one for me uh, the album 13th Step more so than yeah. the first one Three Libras I think Three Libras yeah I think Three Libras was like one of the first CDs I ever bought you ever you bought <laughs> the, my first concert was a Nine Inch Nails concert though. Dude, that's a heavy first concert. Yeah, it's a heavy first concert. But you know, like, you know, my older cousin, my uncle, which I looked up to, I thought they were super cool. They were super into Nine Inch Nails, so you know, obviously, I thought it was like the cool thing to do. And I've always loved them. It's, you know, I really like them. I really like Tool. But what's like the what's the best concert you've ever been to, man? Favorite concert? Muse. Muse? Yeah. So yeah. not – I would say the best production might be either the recent Tool one just because it was Tool, the yeah. stage production. Uh, Huge In- venue. Incubus after Morning View came out had a really good stage setup. That was cool. But I would, the reason I would say Muse is because I saw Muse right – it was their first American tour. They hadn't blown up yet and I just had a, a friend that somehow was piped in and uh, I didn't even know who they were and it yeah. Uh, before Absolution, like that big breakout record, uh-huh. ca- came out, but they had they knew those songs and they played a lot of the songs. Oh, that's cool! Yeah. And we were at in the venue, this uh, it's a Salt Lake venue on the side stage, not the main stage. Uh-huh. So there might have been two hundred kids total. That's awesome! Man. And it was like everything was close, <laughs> and I didn't know anything about them other than my homies. Like, there's this band from Australia. Trust me, buy a ticket. We're going. Like, okay, that's awesome! Man. And it just like. I had never heard anything like someone he has like opera style singing like really yeah. long drawn out and that mixed with like these the bass player playing like they played that song uh, I think it is Absolution on Absolution when I think of Muse I instantly think of that song Madness that's like the song that I which one Madness Madness yeah Madness I think it's called Madness might be I don't know I don't know I don't know their discography super super yeah, well I don't either but here, I'll look it up. Maybe maybe I'm... Mad? Oh, it is mad. Is it slower? Um, yeah, by Muse, yeah. You're probably right, dude. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's it's a good song, man. 
Man, that's my music. Yeah, so that concert was awesome. It was uh, just blew my mind because I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, and at the time it was a very fresh sound. And it's Ooh. cool to like discover a band before they're big. Yes. But what were you gonna say? You just remembered a, a good one. <laughs> oh, Ratatat. Ratatat. Yeah, that's. You cool. listen to Ratatat? Not really, man. I've never really. You never heard of Ratatat? I've heard of them, but I've never really got Ooh. into them. <laughs> I don't know if they've aged that well, but at the time, yeah, that was a uh, probably my first. Oh, man, I've had a lot of music obsessions, but they inspired me. I did like the. I tried to start a record label and did electronic music and toured around and made some progress in that. And one of the, the groups that really inspired me to make music was Ratatat. And seeing them live, um, I think I was eighteen. So it, it also it's like the age. Yeah. From like ten, ten, eleven to eighteen is like this magical age where things just. They're just more epic. They get into your DNA. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're uh, you're more easily influenced. And who? You're more easily influenced. Yeah, more easily you know, influenced. So, um, yeah, I guess it kind of sets that trajectory, like we were talking about with video games. You know, yep. kind of defines Definitely. you and sets the stage for your tastes later on. That's crazy you were into uh, that heavy of music. Well, did your parents have any issues with music? Like, this no. is the devil's music. No, my parents were cool with music, man. I remember uh, I remember my cousin trying to get into Eminem and his mom. I kind of had a problem with it. But no, as far as like, um, as far as music, like, I was into really heavy music. And were you, parents were were cool you with ang- it. like abnormally angry? No, no, I just liked heavy music. You're kind of like me. Yeah. I'm not angry, but I just like the. Yeah, I just like the I sound like it. of it. I got into like really hardcore for a while, like when I was, you know, later high school days. Like I really liked like Hatebreed, Disturbed. Oh, and, you went, uh, yeah, that direction. I and, see. And like Tear. Have yeah. You ever heard Tear, like yes. super hardcore. I like those guys. I still like. I still like those guys. It's just kind of wears me out a little too much now, but I yes. I still like them. You know, every once in a while I'll get in that mood again. But yeah, the uh, I uh, this comes into video. Ga- I think you can link link this back to video games as well. I love heavy music, but when it's screaming and heavy all the time, you get like numb to it. Yeah, and it just kind of it doesn't carry. So I, that's part of the reason why I think Tools aged well for me is the balance. Yeah, they have a good balance. They of... have a good balance overall, and uh, yeah, like I, I, so what will end up happening is I have a playlist, and I can do like one or two songs that are just full in your face. It's like, oh man, I gotta take a break, bro. Yeah. <laughs> gotta, like, I remember being a kid and just like listening to that stuff all the time, all the time. Just yeah, like oh, I feel exhausted, but you know, I liked it. So yeah, there's more angst as a kid, so I guess you need to get it mm-hmm. out. Yeah, I've always loved Rob Zombie too. Have you ever been into Rob oh, Zombie? Oh yeah, I love. That's the best concert I've ever heard. By the way, I could see that being an and amazing twice, concert. Twice, man. I saw him at the Salt, the Saltaire. Absolutely incredible, dude. He puts on such a good show. And then I saw him with Ozzy. I think he opened for Ozzy. Um, I think it was the Maverick Center a long, long time ago. But yeah, amazing show, man. He's such a good live performer. I could see that. He, uh, I don't, I've never seen him live, but uh, he was on Rogan as well. Did you listen to that one? I did listen to that one. That yeah. one. He talks about. Uh, I have some memories of him talking about developing his live show, and just based on that interview and how cool of a dude he yeah. seemed to be when you said that, I'm like, yeah, I could see him having a really good live show. Yeah, incredible man. 
Absolutely incredible. I was blown away. I I almost regret that it was like, I guess, you know, it goes back and forth. It's like what you're saying. I was going to say, I, was, I almost regret that I was so young because I didn't know how to appreciate what an amazing live show I was seeing. But at the same time, I think it kind of set the stage for a lot of things. And it was yeah more epic because I was young. But yeah. Incredible performer. Man. Yeah, you went straight. You went straight to the darkness. I had. I liked the darkness and the heavy stuff. Obviously, we talked about some. Some people gave me bad impressions, but I also had an element of, like Rob Zombie in particular. Uh, I thought he was satanic, right? I was still like really <laughs> religious, and so that stuff kind of scared me because I grew up like a sort of a superstitious belief that if you if you watch and consume movies and music that are like related to satanic type things doesn't you, invite you're the spirit the in. doorways <laughs> right but if you stay away from that stuff you'll never be in danger of any sort yeah. of demonic interruption yeah so I, I i liked i remember thinking like he had big dreads it's like he had these dope dreads and it like i remember being intrigued about it but then scared and so i'd like listen to songs I wouldn't definitely would never. I would like sometimes watch some music videos tentatively. Uh, like they, did you ever watch The Box growing up? I think The Box. You're only a couple years younger oh, than me. No, there was I don't remember that. before cable. I never had cable. My grandma did, but we didn't have it. But there was like your regular channels one through thirteen, or like and then there was like channel thirty, which was CW or WB. I used to, and then channel fifty-eight for a while. This random channel <laughs> would be was The Box. And it was it would just loop previews of music videos all day, and people called in and ordered a music video, and then you could watch. So it was all based oh, on really? people calling in and paying money. I don't know how long yeah, it lasted. I've never seen that. I've never heard really of that before. Yeah. But yeah, so some they would have like a different set of music videos that were sort of like the the show reel. Yeah. It would like cut between different music videos, and they would run the ad, call in, and here's the popular ones and the prices, and they would have a Rob Zombie music video as part of it. But I would never watch the whole music video, <laughs> so that meant that I wasn't inviting any demons. Exactly, I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I justified it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the box. So I got a little bit of Rob Zombie love from the box, but yeah, yeah he seems like a really cool dude. Do you like uh, Du Meets that band? Rammstein, yeah. Yeah, Seems I like loved that Rammstein. Yeah, that was yeah. A man, yeah, I really liked super heavy stuff when I was a kid. Man, I don't know all the really heavy bands and the uh, Pedro and his wife, the Vanya, the badass chick, uh-huh. purple belt. She uh, Rammstein's her favorite band. Oh, really? Yeah, I would I never guess that. Firefly. Yeah, I remember Loved those songs. It. Yeah, yeah, I remember playing that like early when I was like learning to snowboard and stuff. I remember listening to that on my Walkman and my jacket. <laughs> what would be... I want to do a couple movies and we'll probably wrap it up because your wife keeps calling. What movie... We'll, we'll, ask, we'll, we'll ask a movie and a music and a video game question. But I want it to be... Uh, it's a two-part question for each one. So three times two. Six total answers. I'm prepping you for six answers. Movie, music, and video game. Each one, not only is what would be the most impactful, like not necessarily the greatest, but I guess your personal greatest for each one and and why. Starting with movies. Because we haven't talked about any movies. Man, that's tough. I'm Which a movie, one is I'm a movie guy. Got into the DNA of Dane oh, the man. most. Dude, that's huge. There's so many freaking movies. Um all right, man. Hot seat. 
Indiana Jones. Really? Which yeah. one? Uh, Last Crusade. Last Crusade. Yeah. Why? What about that movie? Just, uh, just a sense of adventure, man. Love Indiana Jones. Just sense of adventure and discovery. Um, it's just a movie I grew up on. You know. Were you? I did not see the newest one, but were you as disappointed as everyone else? Nah, I mean, I was. I thought it was a fun throwback. I wasn't that disappointed. I mean, yeah, you know, it wasn't as great as the yeah. <laughs> original trilogy, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun throwback. I didn't have a huge problem with it like everybody else seemed to. But whatever. Album. <laughs> Album. Yeah, oh, no, I should say this. That's a better question. It doesn't have to be artist. Maybe we could do artist, and if it's separate, like best, or not best, uh, most formative album to your most formative album can i do a soundtrack you can do a soundtrack for sure dude. even better queen of the damned great queen of the damned dude. is that the Aaliyah movie yeah yep Ooh, i never movie, saw that man. oh it's a great should i see yeah, that you gotta watch it did you ever read any Anne rice books no you gotta read some Anne rice books man so you like the darkness when it comes to movies too i guess so i'm I didn't realize I was this dark until this podcast. Queen yeah. of the Dam. That was no, a, a good book, man. Definitely not allowed good in book, my house movie. to be watched. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd like it. <laughs> but it's a great soundtrack, man. Really? Great what soundtrack. Would, uh, what style would you describe the soundtrack? Um, I don't know. Uh, kind of along the same lines. As, like heavy know, cinematic? Yeah, heavy. Heavy. Uh, Heavy rock, you know, it's okay. hard rock. Queen of the Damned. That, uh, Aaliyah must have only been because she, she died in that plane wreck when she was pretty young. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how long. Is she the one was. that had the uh, relationship with R. Kelly? Or I don't remember. <laughs> I know that she died in a plane crash, and I know that she was in Queen of the Damned. That's all I know. That's about all her. you know. And she <laughs> uh, she was in TLC. That was her star, right? I'm not even sure. Black, the uh, yeah. like R&B black chick yeah. group. I think it's Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I think she was in TLC. I could be, people are probably out there like, you dumbass. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I thought that, I thought she was in TLC. She's also the one, there's an R. Kelly documentary about, I think it's Aaliyah, about a, a girl after he already became famous. He sort of like was her coach. You know, like kind of like helped her come up in the music industry. Yeah. But ended up having relationships with, and she was like 14 and whatever. Oof, that's there's, trouble. There's a gnarly <laughs> document. I think it was her, but I could be wrong. All right. So Queen of the Damned, that's awesome because not, I would have never, I would have never remembered that movie. But as soon yeah. as you said it, I remember the box art, the cover art. She's like looking up <laughs> and uh, she's got, she's hot. And it's definitely evil and it's definitely rated R. And my parents definitely would have been like, hell no. Uh, I do remember the that. soundtrack, man. It's great. Good soundtrack. soundtrack. Oh yeah, awesome All right. soundtrack. Most formative game, but you can't say Resident Evil Two because we already talked about it. Oh man, I gotta think now. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Man, I guess uh, Tomb Raider. Yeah, which one? Tomb, Tomb Raider. Yeah. Tomb Raider, the first one. I'm not sure which one. Let's say which. Which is the one where you can like. Go in her house and do all the training in the mansion. The she has the mansion. pool. Yeah, yeah, she has yeah. The pool and stuff. Is that number two? I think it's number two. I know yeah. what you're talking about, though. Yeah, I remember 
um, you know, that was that was a big game for me. I think it's kind of. I really liked adventure games and travel games and yeah, Indiana Jones yeah, and Tomb Raider. Exactly, I they're see kind of, they kind of fit together. There. Yeah, I had my actually uh, not this last Halloween, but the Halloween before. I had my wife be Lara Croft, and I was Indiana Jones. We're the adventure couple, so fits right in that those would be the two. I think I, think, I saw I that. I <laughs> stalked your somehow Instagram suggested your non-Nagima Instagram yeah. account, yeah. and I stalked it, and I saw some Halloween <laughs> pictures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was a while ago now, but it was fun. Dang, dude. All right, so give us a breakdown on uh, what's coming up. Does anyone have any fights coming up for Agima? Where can people check things out? Yeah, I've got several fighters coming up. They'll be on the, you know, local fights, still fist fight on uh, April 4th. I have several fighters on that show. Um, go to our website, agimamma.com. Check us out on Instagram. You'll find us. Uh, yeah. Thanks yeah, for having me Located on, Provo Town Center. It is in the mall. It is in the mall. I, yeah. uh, if my first time I could try to 6 a.m. class yeah. <laughs> and I was like looking at Google Maps. Dude, there's no way that this gym's in the mall. The mall's not even open. <laughs> it's impossible. And then I ended up calling the phone number on the Google listing, which I think is just your wife's cell phone. Yeah, it's just my wife's cell phone. But... And she's like, wait, what? I'm like, hey, I'm just uh, – is this a Gima? She's like, wait, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, are you guys in the mall? Yeah, so you're yeah, actually little, in the probe mall. It's a little weird. It's weird to be in the mall, but it works out. It actually – at first I thought it was weird. Now I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. You get it's a lot cool. Of People come by. And... You have a – it's like you have, you have morning, midday – Night classes. They have a Friday night class, which a lot of gyms don't. Saturday class, Sunday open mat, which is my personal favorite. Me too, man. I love the open mat. Yeah, I love the open mat. I just like it's just chill. It's like laid back, and it's just guys who want to kind of like listen to music and train. And I don't have. And to it's teach, all the dudes you know? that are addicted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The only like really addicted guys are going to show up on a Sunday. Yeah, it's fun. it's fun though. It's so, yeah, it's really chill. Awesome facility. It's, it, for those of you into jujitsu. It's kind of like art of jiu-jitsu. Everything's yeah. white. looks really clean. Pain in uh, the ass, man. Dane's way nicer, though. He doesn't force everyone to wear white keys. <laughs> and uh, makes his fighters clean the mat so it keeps that sparkling white facade. Uh, I'll put links in the podcast description to all the stuff. But if you're interested in trying it out, it's a great place. I think – I was telling this to – I think his name's Thomas because he said he trained at Lehigh Judo with Chris Kennedy uh-huh. and that crew yeah. before. Thomas, Thomas Harper? Thomas Harper, his yeah. purple belt. Good guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, we were talking about just gyms in general, and we were both agreeing. You might have the nicest mats in Utah. I appreciate it, man. I think I you do. Because you're, uh, <laughs> you're the only one with the, uh, like, the, the height. The, everything's white, right? But you have the Olympic. Oh, yeah. It's like, like kind of a spring floor. Spring floor. It's called like a raised. judo subfloor. Yeah. So it gives you, like, a little bit of bounce. You have the cushion of the mat, just the pad of the mat. And then underneath, there's there's foam that kind of has like the whole floor will move as one. So if you get thrown hard or something, it gives a little bit, which is is huge. It's awesome. Yeah, the mat's super nice. It's probably the biggest, not the biggest space, but it's pretty big. I've never been, the only other gym that's pretty well known, I've never been to Unified, but I've seen pictures. Great gym, man. you got to come with me to Unified yeah. one of these days. That's probably. That's where you came up, right? 
Um, sort of. It was before it was unified. So when Pedro unified used to be Pedro's gym, and then uh, you know the guys he passed on to that it eventually became unified. So yeah, I came up there, and those guys are great guys. It's probably the highest concentration of like good black competitive yeah. black belts in the state. Definitely. So. You will get some amazing roles there. There's some killers there, and they're all just super nice, humble dudes. Like, yeah, we should go up there and roll sometime. I should check it sure. out. I've seen pictures. They look. It looks like a nice space with good mats. I have rolled with the Southwood brothers at your yeah open mat. Yeah, that's that's their gym. That's their home gym. You know, and that went exactly how you'd expect. Just utter destruction. Yeah, South brothers on are my awesome, behalf, man. but. I, I was really impressed with. Uh, I think I mentioned this to you before. The the one that's taller and leaner, Jason. Jason, yeah. he uh, how like uh, relaxed and playful, but still sharp. Yeah. Everything was very very smooth. Yeah. yeah. So you got to roll with you know the South brothers are amazing, Jake and Jason, and then um, Damon Morgan. I always tell everybody I think Damon is probably the best competitor in the state. Just amazing jiu-jitsu guy and he's small he's probably you know 140 or so and then uh the two owners of the gym are uh johnny carl quest and james gardner two guys that i grew up looking up to just amazing amazing jiu-jitsu guys that you know are just uh incredible at what they do absolute jedis so that's a Danny says the same thing. He says, I think Unified is probably, like, as far as concentration of talent, for sure. best gym in the state. Yeah. They're just a little too far for me to go daily. But, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Be, yeah, you guys are nice and close. Second, then you have the best mats. The fact that there's a Sunday open mat, for me, that was a big deal because I was driving. No offense to those who go to the West Valley open mat, but I, yeah. I go to Mafu's open mat. But I'm already, like, getting away with that much jujitsu already with my wife. And then I'm gone all day Sunday. Yeah, she's stuck the with the kids. Drive. By the time I drive up there, roll, mm. chit-chat with people, and drive back, she's <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know you were going to have a free weekend yeah, on Sunday. So yours is nice. I can get down there. I can roll. I can come back. Hey, you, can, um, you can bring the wife and kids and have them uh, go yeah, to the mall. I gotta bring have them go to the food court. <laughs> I've, been trying to, I've, been, yeah, I've been trying hard to get her to try but she is just not interested. Just so I do beat the shit out of my kids on this mat. I'm trying yeah. to like, I'll roll with them and, and condition like, them, up, condition them, like them smash their bit. faces. I grind them. I'm like trying to get them, get them ready. <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely bring them in. I, I was asking how old are the youngest kids that come to your kids classes? Four. Yeah. Four. Usually four and a half. It's gotta be a pretty, uh, mature four year old. Otherwise it's just, Chaos. Oh, it's just hurting cats, you know. Yeah. So I need a, I need to bring my oldest. She's four to to a class and have see her come try one. If, see how she does, you know. If you need to take another couple months, take another couple months. But but just come try one, man. You yeah. Know? What day? What times are your kids' classes? Four thirty, Monday through Thursday. So just, have, yeah, run through your schedule real quick, so people know. So uh, we do morning classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, six thirty a.m. Uh, we have noon classes every day. Um, Sunday is an open mat. It's not a class at noon. Uh, Saturday is sparring at 11, actually, and classes at 10. So Saturday is the only day we don't have a noon class. And then we have night classes. We have either striking or basic jiu-jitsu every weeknight at 5.30. And then jiu-jitsu class every weeknight 
at 6.30. Friday is um, is competition team. Oh, and Thursdays, actually. Thursdays are a little different. So jujitsu starts at 5.30, but we have wrestling. So we have uh, Justin Reese. He's an amazing wrestling coach. Uh, you know, was a world team member in Greco and was an Olympic alternate and just this incredible wrestler. So like a really, really re- well-respected guy in the re- world of wrestling. And, you know, he's a really great guy. He teaches wrestling for us on uh, Thursday nights at 7. So he's a great guy to learn from. And a hell of a role, but man. Then the Friday, God, com- yeah, Friday competition <laughs> class. I like that. I can hit Friday's fun, yeah. Friday's a fun class, so. He's dope. I'm going to try to get Danny on soon so I can have back-to-back gym owners. Back-to-back I, dude, gym I, gotta, I thought you I, just had Danny on. I've yeah. been, dude, I need sent both of you guys. I've been, like, just hassling both of you. I actually oh, hassled them last night after we were training. He wasn't rolling because, uh, what was his problem? Dang it, I can't remember. He had something, something happened to him. He wasn't rolling. And um, we were walking out of class. And I'm like, hey, well... Well, when are you going to come to the podcast? Whatever the reason he wasn't rolling was keeping him in front of the podcast. I don't know why I can't remember. But then I, I hit him with a double shot. I was like, yo, Dane's coming on my podcast tomorrow. <laughs> Where are you at, Danny? Why is Dane? Why is Dane? The other the other gym owner is coming. What's up? And I saw he's like, okay, well, I, 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 I saw a twinkle in his eye. Like, maybe I might be able to get him to come on. Get that competitive twinge going on. Yeah, you guys are almost the same person, so it uh, it <laughs> yeah, cracks I like me that. up. I don't know Danny super well, but every time I've had an interaction with him, he just seems like an awesome dude, man. I'd love to get to know him better. I want to hit you guys as what? What is it? A Thursday class? Guys, are invited me to. I've been trying to recruit people to come try just roll through on through. I mean, you guys do are, it, man. are I need to at do a Gima, You're so chill with people coming. And going, I'm like, I want to, you know, you guys should come on a Thursday night yeah, and get I'd a chance. Yeah, I'd love to, man. I'd love to. I who's the, to... sorry to interrupt you, who's the kid that was, he was here today, he's a little bit skinnier and he loves to play butterfly guard. He's small. Jonathan. Yeah. Is that who you're talking about? Jonathan? I, I, I don't know. He's like 140 maybe. Yeah. Was he in fight team? He was fight team tonight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's Jonathan. I was telling him, he's like, yeah, I love playing butterfly guard. It's fun. You know how to deal with that. It's like, and I'm like, that's because there's a bunch of butterfly guard nerds at Lehigh. <laughs> and you should definitely come hang out. Like, yeah, you, would, sure, you would make butterfly buddies instantaneously. Butterfly buddies. Yeah, it sounds almost gay, kind of like butterfly buddies. Because they're all watching but... Marcelo Garcia clips, <laughs> yeah. man. <laughs> Danny loves butterfly. There's a, I don't know if you know Brian Baker. He's uh, the he deep, deep half. Yeah, deep half yep. now. I've heard of him. I, I've actually never met him. I only know him through reputation. But I'd love to get some roles in with him. He seems like a seems like a good guy. So he's got a good butterfly game. He did, he was early. I think he's definitely older than me. So he's older than you. He was in the competitions. Uh, he lived in Seattle, so it would have been like late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. He did a lot of competing then. Um, great butterfly guard, but yeah, you guys need to roll through on a Thursday night. For I sure, think man. there's depending on the night you might get like there's JT, who's you there, Danny, Jorge, the new black belt, Brandon, Justin's brother, Brandon Ruiz, yeah, is there sometimes. He's terrifying. I'd love to watch you survive. <laughs> Huge guy <laughs> rolling with him. Yeah. He's a he's Just a watch big. Watch me get crushed. He's a big man. <laughs> oh with yeah, good, he's so big. He's a lot of guy to. There's a, a guy, uh, Wade. You know Wade Alexander. I think we've talked about Wade. No, Wade knows Jason Howard. Yeah, I'm getting it mixed Wade. up. He's like yeah. 245, 250, oh, wow. and a black belt. Like he's in, so he knows what he's doing, and he's very strong. And yeah, yeah, I would love 
love to watch you roll. It's a just, scary combination, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you got to come try it out, yeah. man. I've been no, trying be to preach. To it doesn't mean you got to come join, but I think it'd also be good. Everyone there likes rolling with new people. Yeah. Everyone likes to roll with new people. It's like dating. <laughs> you don't want to just get with the same person all the time. Well, it's good to like you want just some build the jiu-jitsu community. Yeah. Just, I like knowing people. I, I go to Unified all the time. I was at the pit today. I dropped into the pit this morning and... Worked with some guys over there. We're affiliates with the pit, so yeah. What is? I noticed you had mentioned that. Explain what that. Yeah. Because I don't even know what that really means. So, uh, John Hackleman is the owner of the pit, and he has affiliations all over the U.S. That was I mentioned him earlier. He's one of my coaches. He was Ramsey's coach as well. So Ramsey operates the pit SLC. Agima is a pit affiliate. Um, you know we're not. You know, I kind of wanted to do my own name, and the affiliation came after we were already established. So we're not named the Pit, but we are a Pit affiliate. So um, you know, a lot of a lot of my fighters, like Mitch and Sula and and Marco, they all train up there, but they also train at Agima. So what does that mean, like for the person who goes? Like, is there any benefit to a member um, by you being an affiliate? I'm sure there is, but me and Ramsey have got to sit down and work that you haven't out dialed together. It down yeah, yet. we haven't really dialed it down. We okay. just kind of, you know. So just to negotiate, yo, what do I get? Yeah, Dane sure. Ramsey, hook me up. I'm sure we'll figure something out together, but it just hasn't come up yet, you know. So sweet man, check out Akima. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'll put all links in the description. I'll talk to you guys later. See ya. Oh shit. You actually listened to the entirety of the podcast. What the fuck is wrong with you? Why? Why would you listen to my dumb ass talking to a cool ass like Dane for, I think it was an hour and a half, two and a half hours. Who knows? Who knows? Look, I'm recording this outro at the same time that I recorded the intro, which means I'm drunk as shit. I kind of skimmed over the podcast with Dane. I thought it was funny. I thought we had good energy. I am working on being a better podcast interviewer, working on things like that, interviewer. How clumsy was that shit? So I'm working on this shit. It's a work in progress. It's like a rough stone rolling for my Mormon friends. You might get that reference. Uh, but I actually am a rough stone rolling. That's just not an excuse to sort of uh, justify all the dirty shit that Joseph Smith did. Ooh, sorry about that. If you're into Joseph Smith, I'm just – look. I'm just shooting the shit. More power to you. I don't really give a shit. But uh, what am I supposed to be saying in this outro? Oh, I'm supposed to be saying Dane is awesome. Check his shit out. I put all the podcasts – or excuse me, all the links in the podcast description – and uh, next week we have Todd Robbins on the podcast. He's actually recorded a couple weeks ago. Um, Todd Robbins is one half of Kuma Films, a prolific YouTube channel. He's also a professional stuntman, does stunts for film, TVs, and uh, TVs. Jesus, I'm so terrible at talking sometimes. Film and TV, and I believe he's worked on some video games um, actually, I don't think he's worked on so many video games. He would have told me if he worked on some video games, but I know he's been on a bunch of film, movies, and uh, TV shows. He was just shooting a stunt for a Hannah-like ripoff. You know that that uh, kind of what you would call it, like thriller, where a Russian secret service program where they have a bunch of girls for some reason trained to be badasses, and one of them escapes. Her name is Hannah. They kind of have a 
like a remix version of that premise and he was uh shooting some stunts for it getting blown up and getting some wire pulls he's on the podcast next week he's a badass check out kuma films check out his reels if you're into film for whatever reason you need a stunt man hit him up dane thanks again for being on the podcast if you're interested in martial arts in any way shape or form and you're located in utah i would check out agima they are badass if you're into striking, if you're into grappling, into wrestling, kickboxing, Muay Thai, boxing, whatever. Dane and his staff have got you covered. They're chill as shit. Like you heard in the beginning of the podcast, they don't do contracts. They're not out to fuck you over. They're not out to take your money. Dane is just a legitimate good dude that's trying to give back to the martial arts community because, I mean, people who get into that shit, it's it's like almost a religion it kind of is a religion. That's why people get weird about things like if you say jits or BJJJ. BJ. Woo! I should just wrap this shit up as soon as possible. Dane is cool. If you're interested in martial arts, check his school out. He's got a bunch of fighters. Steel Fist is a local MMA promotion. A bunch of his fighters are fighting recently. I will put links in the podcast description as that as well, as that as well, as that as well. My grammar is going out the window. That is a sign for me to sign off. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And uh, if you share, like, subscribe, Spread the good news of the Game of Gospel. The gods will bless you. I say these things in their name. Miyamoto the Father, Kojima the Son, and Carmack the Holy Ghost in their holy names. I will see you next week. Love you. Bye.